This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. WABC New York and 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Oi! This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. There's even more chaos in the battle for Speaker of the House. Just hours after Republicans picked another candidate for the gavel, he was forced to withdraw after getting a thumbs down from former President Trump. Just like the candidates before him, Minnesota Congressman Tom Emmer could not get the votes. Emmer is the number three Republican in the House. He beat out seven other candidates in a secret ballot and was the nominee for only about four hours. Some were opposed to his previous vote certifying the 2020 election, while others claimed he was too moderate to be Speaker. Former President Trump also weighed in, calling Emmer a Republican in name only and said electing him would be a tragic mistake. Donald Trump and his former attorney Michael Cohen faced off in court. Cohen testified against his ex-boss in a civil fraud trial. Michael Cohen came face-to-face with his former boss Tuesday inside a packed courtroom. Cohen served time in prison for lying to Congress, campaign finance violations, and tax evasion related to his own personal finances. Cohen said he lied to Congress in 2017 for Trump's benefit. In 2019, Cohen testified to Congress that Trump lied about his wealth on loan, insurance, and tax documents. That testimony is what led to the AG investigation and a separate criminal case. Trump has said his assets were actually undervalued and at times shook his head in the courtroom. They have no case. The witness is totally discredited already. This is not about Donald Trump versus Michael Cohen or Michael Cohen versus Donald Trump. This is about accountability, plain and simple. This is quite a remarkable moment and development uh, now from the United Nations. To quote the Secretary General, it is important to also recognize the attack by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. With the Israeli ambassador to the U.N. then calling for him to now resign for those remarks. It is important to also recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. The Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. Mr. Secretary General, in what world do you live? Definitely, this is not our world. Do I want to remember this world upside down? Families vanish in the midst of the day. The mass grave steaming with vapor of blood. This massacre will go down in history as more brutal than ISIS. Hamas are new Nazis. Hamas are the new Nazis. President Biden facing many questions in the weeks following the vicious attack on Israel, and he's expected to address them in just a few hours. Now, the president is set to take part in a Rose Garden press conference today with the Australian prime minister. The president delivered a primetime address to the nation just last week, but this will be the first time since the war began that he can actually answer questions formally. Yeah, right. National League pennant. And the fall classic will return 
House. Electric Blue on this big, big day here at 77 WABC Radio. It's our annual Back the Blue event. Something I look forward to every year. The brainchild, of course, of our brilliant and loving owners, John and Marco Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, the whole crew. I often say that uh, you'll be hard-pressed to find anybody more pro-police than me. Anybody. And that goes for my late great partner, Bernard, as well, who gets mentioned just about every day still. He's dead over a year now. But he was also very pro-police. But John and Margo, <laughs> they're about as pro-police as it gets. So today we back the blue. I'll have a, a ton of guests on this show. I guess throughout the whole day there'll be guests. Ton of guests uh, on this show from Norman Seabrook who at one point, of course, ran the union for the DOC, to Angel Jimenez. I'm excited about this guy. Happens to be the PBA president of New Jersey. He's going to join me coming up at 645 to Ray Kelly, the greatest police commissioner in the history of New York. Do not put Bill Bratton in the same sentence. I'll punch you right across the face. To former police commissioner Bernard Carrick. So, We've got four or five big guests stopping by today to celebrate the blue, the brave men and women out there every day. And I look forward to this show every year because these folks deserve every second of it. So Ice House, Electric Blue is how we started today's program. Another brilliant choice by Lou Rafino, who um, he likes the cops. I don't know if he loves them. What? what? You get a lot of tickets. You get a lot of uh, speeding tickets, uh, the van on the Bell Parkway. What What, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. What are you talking about? You love the cops. I know you love the cops. Of course I love the cops. Love the cops. Everybody here loves the cops. We don't love them enough. 
is what I... I think we do. I think uh, no. at this station we do. We don't? At this station we do. Yes. I'm talking about the city. Well, I know. But where we live, you and I specifically, Lou, is um, cops, firemen, first responders. Those are all our neighbors. Yeah, well, they, of course. Yeah. and As well as they should. Well, we're good to them, so uh, we love them. And, yeah. and uh, we're going to give them this day today. And we got a big uh, press conference that we do outside Coming up, I believe, at 10.30 or 11 o'clock this morning, some some major dignitaries are going to be here. Uh, the mayor couldn't stop by this morning. I know a lot of you hate him. That's fine. He was he uh, was mentioned uh, once or twice by Curtis Sliwa during our town hall last night at the Knights of Columbus in Bell Harbor. Uh, the mayor can't make it on this morning. Neither can Police Commissioner Eddie Caban. Both of those guys have conflicts. But we've got, uh, like I said, four great guests, and they may be both of those guys, at least the mayor, at the press conference coming up later on today. And then we've got the uh, the roundtable, which we do here at WABC after every event, and I think it's Dominic Carter. I think he's actually moderating it. And I believe my friend Pat Ryder, who's a great police chief, I mean a great police chief commissioner out of Nassau County, I believe he's going to be one of the three or four people on the dais. I don't know who the other people are. So. They did tell me in a meeting a couple of days ago, John and Margo, but I forgot. Because I forget a lot of stuff. I'm very, very busy. I mean, Got a lot of stuff. I mean, come on. I mean, you want me to talk about the Knicks and Celtics tonight? You want me to talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks and Texas Rangers World Series? You want me to talk about the Giants and Jets coming up this weekend? I'm going to talk to Anthony D'Esposito on the show today about this ridiculous Speaker of the House nonsense. We're going to talk about Israel Hamas all morning long. Talk to all these great cops. How the hell can I remember who's going to be sitting down with Dominic Carter at noon today? As long as you got Dominic, it'll be. It'll well, work. I got Pat Ryder. I, okay. I know I got Pat Ryder. Okay. Yeah, I like him. You like him? I am a huge fan. <laughs> Pat Ryder <laughs> is to my left. So before we get to the big news, we ended the open. Justin did with the Arizona Diamondbacks. They won uh, game six and seven to take out the Philadelphia Phillies. And the Arizona Diamondbacks are going back to the World Series to take on the Texas Rangers. This is a nightmare for Major League Baseball. A nightmare. No New York teams, no Boston, no Los Angeles, no Philadelphia. This is really, and I called it this this morning, I think it's brilliant, this is the Cartel World Series, Arizona and Texas. (laughs) (laughs) The Cartel is huge in both of those states. The Cartel World Series, Arizona taking on Texas. So there was a time. (laughs) Breaking bad baseball. (laughs) I'm telling you. There was a time when John McCain was alive that he'd be excited about this because Good old Johnny there, he loved the Diamondbacks. But I don't believe anybody there now care. Like, Carrie Lake doesn't care. She's running for Senator, and, of course, I love her. And uh, Texas, uh, Governor Abbott, of course, is a hero. But just in case you folks forgot, when you heard the announcer say last night, the Diamondbacks are going back to just their second World Series and their first World Series in 22 years, talking about cops and what they do for the city, 22 years should ring a bell. That's exactly what we commemorated this year for 9-11. In fact, it was only 54 days. Of course, the World Series came late that year because they suspended baseball for a couple of weeks. Only 54 days after 9-11, 
the only other time the Arizona Diamondbacks were in the World Series. Mariano Rivera was on the mound for the Yankees. Luis Gonzalez was at the plate for Arizona. And it sounded like this. The chance of a lifetime for Luis Gonzalez. 2-2, bottom of the ninth. Game seven of the World Series. Bases loaded. There it was, Luis Gonzalez, that broken bat single off of Mariano, who made an error in the inning before at second base. And the Diamondbacks, 22 years ago, not only got to the World Series, but won the World Series. That was Joe Torre's first World Series loss, because you remember he had won four straight with the Yanks, beating Atlanta twice, beating San Diego, beat the Mets in 2000. And then Torre would not win again because he lost that World Series 22 years ago to Arizona in 2001. And then he got back again, thanks to Aaron Boone's home run off the late Tim Wakefield in 2003, and they lost to the Florida Marlins. So Torrey went 4-2 and two in his World Series with the Yanks. So Arizona, Texas, a Major League Baseball nightmare, <laughs> is your World Series. So this, um, this guy, Antonio Guterres, Noam Layden, tell me who this guy is. He is the uh, U.N. Secretary General. He needs to be fired. He needs not only fired, he needs to be put in prison. I, I'll say one thing about this Israel-Hamas mess. We are exposing a lot of people every day, not just these snot-nosed, spoiled brat kids on all of our college campuses, who I swear to God I mean this, I hope they never work in their lives. I hope they never get a job. All these assholes from Harvard and Columbia, I hope they never get a job. But adults who should know better, who really hate the Jews... I mean, this guy works for the U.N. How can he possibly have any sympathy for the Palestinians and Hamas? But he did. So if you missed it, here he is. Noam just told you who he is. The U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres yesterday talking about how, you know, basically Hamas has no choice. Here's Guterres cut number one. It is important to also recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. The Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. They have seen their lands suffocated by settlements and plagued by violence, their economy stifled, their people displaced, and their homes demolished. Their hopes for a political solution to their plight have been vanishing. So there you have it. Uh, shocking or what, Noam, to hear that from the U.N. Secretary General? Well, it, it sounds like he's justifying the attacks yes. by Hamas on October 7th. Yes. So Gilad Erdan, and who would that be, Noam? Gilad Erdan, is he US, the Israeli military or is he Netanyahu's spokesman? I know well, I the guess name. He, I guess uh, his exact title is the Israeli ambassador to the U.N. Oh, okay. And he was pissed, as he should be. And asked for this Guterres resignation right away. Well, let me just say this. Sid Rosenberg, the most popular and most important radio voice in this city, maybe in the country, at the risk of sounding arrogant, I want this guy to resign too today. Get rid of him. But here is Gilad Erdan, once again, the Israeli ambassador to the U.N. Here's what he had to say about those despicable Guterres comments. Mr. Secretary General. In what world do you live? Definitely 
This is not our world. Do I want to remember this world upside down? Families vanish in the midst of the day. The mass grave steaming with vapor of blood. This massacre will go down in history as more brutal than ISIS. Hamas are new Nazis. Hamas are the new Nazis. They are. They are the new Nazis, Hamas. So, uh, talking about Hamas, and again, uh, it's great that you're on with uh, with me in the morning, Noam, because you can confirm, deny, give uh, real meaning to these stories. I think I saw yesterday that Hamas actually tried to attack and and uh, get in by the sea. They have video, I think, of guys, these idiots swimming in the water. The yeah. IDF actually stopped them. Is that true? That is accurate, and and they continue. To stop them all different places. I mean, they have not given up. The rockets still being fired this morning. Air raid sirens going off in Israel again as more rockets from Gaza fly in. And, and to that UN story, by the way, I just want to uh, add something to it is Israel announced yesterday that they've yanked the visas of any UN members who are trying to get into Israel after the statements from the secretary general. Oh, I love that. God, I love Israel. You gotta love them, seriously. I mean, we're such pussies in this country. And those guys just uh, go right after you. They don't wait a day. They don't wait a week. They don't try to figure things out. Let me, let me think about this. No, they just, they just cut your balls off. Don't you love that? I do. (laughs) You know, the Americans, I'm serious. You know, Joe Biden is, uh, having these nice little discussions like today, the Australian prime minister in the Rose Garden and all these ridiculous press conferences where he's supporting Israel, even though he funded this war. He's complicit by appeasing Iran, allowing them to make billions and billions in oil, hostage swaps, six billion dollars. So who cares what he says? But do you realize this is an American war as well? And why is that? Because last I heard, at least 30 Americans were killed by Hamas. And last I heard... There's got to be what, Noam, seven, eight, maybe ten Americans being held hostage? Yesterday, the numbers they were giving out was 33 dead and 10 being held hostage. Okay. That's 43 Americans that probably end up dead. That makes us a part of this war. This is our war. You want more news? Do you realize that in the last couple of weeks, U.S. troops have been attacked 14 times leaving 24 of American service people injured, attacked in Iraq and other places around the globe. So 33 dead, 10 being held hostage, 24 injured on 14 different attacks. This isn't Israel's war. This is our war, too. Is that not right, Norm Layden? Well, we're for sure, we're pulled into it by those hostages and those dead Americans, no doubt about it. What about the 24 guys injured the last 14 attacks? Well, and now, of course, uh, you heard Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State, saying yesterday they're going to have to beef up these patrols yeah. outside these military bases because they're worried about more attacks. Yeah, he did say that. Uh, in fact, let's play a couple of this, another putz, the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. This is uh, number three, and he talks specifically about Iran. How we will respond to those animals. Blinken cut number three. It is no secret to anyone in this room or on this council that for years Iran has supported Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, and other groups that continue to carry out attacks on Israel. No kidding. Iranian leaders have routinely threatened to wipe Israel off the map. So why'd you give them money? In recent weeks, 
Iran's proxies have repeatedly attacked U.S. personnel. No kidding. In Iraq and Syria. I shut this. Whose oh, mission? I can't listen to this. My God. So for the first week in the first press conference, they wouldn't mention Iraq. Then they told us there really is no significant proof that I, Iran and Iraq is involved. What now? All of a sudden, all the things that Donald Trump talked about for four years, all the reasons why Donald Trump literally castrated that country, castrated them. Now it all makes sense. Noam, is that what I'm, I'm led to believe here by Blinken and Biden and all these people that once again are complicit in these attacks? Well, the IDF saying yesterday that they have definitive proof now that Iran <laughs> is helping Hamas with intelligence and incitement. Those are the words they used. Yeah. And they went on to say that Hamas is already beginning to regret the war it started because they're just seeing some of the response. And it's a small response at this point on the part of Israel. How many dead Palestinians now? About 5,000? You know, you don't know whose numbers to go by. This is, of course, always the issue with these wars. Uh, it is thousands. No two ways about that. Close to 5,000. Yeah, those are the numbers coming from, uh, you know, from Palestinian authorities. All right, they lie. Yeah. But we killed uh, a lot of their big guys. At least five or six of the leaders of Hamas have been killed, yes? And the number could be higher. We don't, you know, know if Israel's telling us everything Let's hope they're so. doing. Let's hope so. Kill all of them. How about that? Kill all of them. Anyway, it is back to blue. It's a celebratory day. <laughs> WABC. We can do both, you know. We can remain angry and sad over what Hamas is doing, but at the same time, give our brave men and women in blue all the love and credit they deserve. We're going to do that on the Sid Rosenberg Show today. Norman Seabrook, Angel Jimenez, Curtis Sliwa, who was brilliant last night in Bell Harbor. Anthony D'Esposito, Peter King, Bernie Kerrick, and Ray Kelly. Yeah, good luck finding a better guest list than that. Wednesday morning, folks. You got three and a half hours with me. Keep it right here. 77 WABC. Friends in the morning. 77 WABC. I feel so bad. I got a worried mind. I'm so lonesome all the time. Since I left my baby behind on Blue Bayou. Saving nickels, saving dimes 
Linda Ronstadt when I was a kid before she got fat, I think I did. When she was showing up at uh, Naked Beaches with Carrie Brown in California, I think I had a crush on uh, Linda Ronstadt. And She'll be happy to hear that. She was cute. Pre-heavy. Uh, pre before she got fat. Before she started, got started doing songs. What's his name? The guy with the big mole on his face. Um, Aaron Neville. Seal? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Seal's got all kinds of issues in his face. But by the way, say what you want about Seal. He had Heidi Klum. Heidi Klum, yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, Aaron Neville, I don't know who he had. But, well, but uh, the theme, of course, is blue today. We started with Electric Blue by Ice House, and that is the classic Blue Bayou by Linda Ronstadt on this. Ramsey Mazda, back to blue. I don't want to leave out Ramsey Mazda. No. Big day, Lewis. Big day. <laughs> Shut up, Justin. <laughs> just, just, how are we going to get him to do that? They, oh, I mean, they, they, yeah. they tell me something once, 20 minutes into the show, as if I had forgotten something. And you don't? No. no. Once you say to me, it's Ramsey Mazda back the blue, I will say Ramsey Mazda back the blue all day. But if you don't tell me, and then you act as if you did tell me, then I get aggravated. I think it's projecting on our part. Maybe. That's what it is. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up, Blue. <laughs> you think he's going to do that? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. No, let's take oh, bets. Why wouldn't I? It's a great job by these folks today. It is. Norman Excellent. Seabrook is a wonderful guy. You know who loves Norman Seabrook like I do? Joseph Takapina. They lunch all the time together, and those guys are uh, very, very tight. So we have like 90 guests coming on today. We'll spend just a couple of minutes with each of them, but certainly after nearly 21 years as the union chief of the Benevolent Association, while the uh, the DOC he ran, he deserves to be on this morning. So here he is, Ramsey Mazda's back to blue, my friend Norman Seabrook. Good morning, Norman. Good morning, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I know this is uh, a day you wanted to be a part of. You remain very, very, very proud, as you should, of your police career. So uh, this is an obligatory lame question that I'm going to ask every guest today. What does back the blue mean to you? Oh, that rhymes. Back the blue means to me that we have to support the men and women that don the uniform, that run into harm's way to protect us. And we need that much more credit from those that we continue to protect as opposed to those that continue to isolate an incident here or there and paint us all with the same brush. Correction officers especially do a hell of a job, whether it be in New York City, whether it be deputy sheriffs that are correction officers out in Long Island and in different places, Onondaga County, men and women that do this job that, you know, people don't get to see or understand when, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, we need law enforcement, but that's just the way that it really is. And the bottom line to it is that they don't receive that support, not only from um, the public some, sometimes, uh, but from their um, supervisors as well, uh, upper management as well. Um, and, it, and it seems to be a, a problem in, in the communities, whether it be in the confines of a jail, 
where a correction officer goes in and they, they have on that blue uniform. That blue uniform is like the red flag to a bull. As soon as they see it, they don't know whether the, the, the matador is trying to hurt them or just walking. And all of a sudden, they just want to attack that uniform, and the uniform becomes a target. And it's unfortunate, Sid. It really is when officers get urine and feces thrown in their mouths every every other day. Something happens to that effect. <laughs> and, and, you know, when you have someone that's uh, infected with all kind of communicable diseases that are subjecting you as an individual to these different uh, elements of disease, and then you have to go home to your family after trying to clean up in a, in a locker room or a shower area that, you know, you have, and, and, and that creates so much stress on this man or this woman, and then they go home, or, or some of them, unfortunately, end up in bars for a certain amount of hours. They have no sense, they have no way of releasing their stress because nobody's communicating with them. They're the enemy. They're the enemy. But then in some communities, um, People that wear the uniform are treated differently because, you know, they, they, they communicate with the public. They communicate with individuals. And it, it's just like, you know, when, when, when the children were, were, were massacred uh, at that school, you know, nobody, you know, really screamed and yelled to the point that they scream and yell when, when something goes wrong. When, when that gunman went in and, and shot up that gay club, nobody really says, hey, thank you, officer, for, for what you did. So I think that the public needs to just give us just that much more credit for what we do. Yes, there are some cowboys out there, cowgirls out there, but you got to protect each other at the same time because don't leave your pension at the door. You understand? <laughs> yeah. with you. I get you it. Know? Yep, Norman Seabrook here on this Ramsey Mazda back to blue. You know, Norm, I can get two people in the room right now. They get about uh, their their political affiliation. Two people in the room right now who are somewhat familiar with the conditions at Rikers Island. And I can go, hey, Jimmy, what's up at Rikers? Oh, Sid, it's a mess. They uh, beat up these officers every day. The inmates, they have fights every day. There are stabbings every day. It's dilapidated. It's a mess. Hey, Brian. Sid, I got to tell you, these guys have done an amazing job. I mean, I don't know what these guys talking about, but th- this place is running as smooth as can be, and Molina's doing a great job. And you laugh because you know this is true. So Norman Seabrook, as the man again in charge of thousands of these folks for 21 years, what's the real deal on Rikers Island? The real deal is that it's just a matter of time before it gets so out of control that there you can't put the genie back in the bottle it's 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 just about there right now and i think that you know and it's it's really sad it really is sad because it shouldn't be like this 95% of the inmates in the prison system don't want those badass guys around them they want them isolated they want them put someplace else but then you have the individuals that continue to it's like a supervisor that goes and says, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. That's not the person that the inmate or the, the, the perp on the street should be talking to. We need to have more communication with the officer that's working that place, that time with that person. And and those are the things that are going to make it better. When you have people that just want to shuffle papers around and give you numbers that make themselves look good, I think it's BS. At the end of the day, when you really look at 
the bottom line to what it is. Rikers is out of control. Things are happening now, right now, as we speak, right now probably, all right, where someone is being disruptive and they have to be restrained. And next thing you know, they're afraid to restrain them because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get involved. You have to get involved. Sometimes you have to have a hands-on approach. Not everybody deserves a job that is particularly that type of job. And I'm hopeful that the city of New York continues to do what it is that they're supposed to do. And I'm so grateful to Mr. Castamatidis and his wife for putting this program together every year, making the public aware of just what we do. Just say thank you, man. It doesn't hurt to give a smile and say, hey, I appreciate you. Don't worry about what someone else says to you when they say, well, why are you telling that cop or, or that correction officer that they did a good job? Because they did a good job. They saved a child's life. They jump-started somebody's heart. They did mouth-to-mouth on a person that they don't even know whether or not they're going to get sick from that person. They go out here every day. Look at the kid the other day that talked this guy off the ledge. He talked him off the ledge, and then he broke down. He didn't break down because he was happy about, you know, um, um, saving a person's life. He broke down because he said he's been there. That's scary, man. That's scary when you have to go home with that type of stress and you have to go home with that type of anxiety and expect to be able to function properly with your family. You go into a, an area and you've got to pull out your 9 millimeter and you've got to fire shots and you don't know what the hell is going on. You go into a housing area in, in the city's jail system and you've got to go run, run into an, an area that has a, a riot going on. There's smoke. There's fire. The lights are out. There's water on the floor, soapy water. Everybody's wrapped up with towels around their heads and, and, and bandaged up, ready to fight you when you come through the door. They have weapons. You don't have that type of yep. weapon. Yep. You know, it's crazy, Sid, but I love you guys for what you're doing, man. I really do. Well, and I back the blue. Yes, you do, and uh, we love you, too. You're a class act. You were great with the DOC all those years, and I'm glad that uh, you're here and, and with me every couple of weeks doing a terrific job. So, Thank you for uh, for all you do, Norman Seabrook, and uh, way to lead off like Derek Thank Jeter, you, great leadoff hitter this morning. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Have God a bless. Day. You got it. There he is, Norman Seabrook, who once again, for the better part of 21 years, was the voice of all these correction officers and all that DOC work from 1996 right through 2016, 95 for 2016, Norman Seabrook. We are going to talk to Angel Jimenez. This is a guy that is the PBA president in New Jersey, which is very, very cool. And uh, he comes to me from my dear friend, Louis Spagnola, who's a great cop in Patterson, New Jersey. Louis's father, Larry, was the chief in Patterson, New Jersey. And Louis's sister, Dolores Catania happens to be one of the major stars on Real Housewives of New Jersey. So we're going to talk to uh, Angel coming up next. Uh, what do you want me to do here, Lewis? I don't have that. Oh, have I do one. have it now. Okay, thank you. Before I get to um, Joe Nolan, it is Wednesday. That means it's time for the Tunnel to Towers update. My main man, Frank Siller. Here's another example of how Tunnel to Towers helps families navigate through tough times. We know that the Tunnel to Towers Foundation honors our nation's heroic first responders and their families every day. This Saturday, October the 28th, it's National First Responders Day. So I wanted to tell you about one of the fallen first responder heroes whose mortgage was paid off by the foundation. 
Smyrna, Georgia police officer Christopher Ewing served both his community and the police department and his country as a member of the United States Air Force. He was killed in the line of duty back in April of 2020 when his patrol car was struck by a drunk driver. Officer Ewing left behind his wife Cassie and their three kids. Tunnel to Towers paid off the mortgage held on the family's home, ensuring that Cassie and her children would never have to leave the house where they had created so many beautiful memories. The Tunnel to Towers Fallen First Responder Home Program has provided mortgage-free homes for hundreds of fallen first responder families like the Ewings. Visit T2T.org to join them on their mission to do good today. All right, folks, America's heroes need your help. Help them do good in their honor. Donate just $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Go to two, excuse me, T, the number two T dot org. That's T, the number two T dot org. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers starting on the Diamond and the MLB playoffs where the NLCS ended with Game 7 last night between the Diamondbacks and Phillies in Philadelphia. And it's the Diamondbacks that clinched just their second World Series appearance in franchise history with a 4-2 to win over Philly. And so the 2023 Fall Classic is officially set and we'll see the aforementioned Diamondbacks go up against the Texas Rangers. Disaster. Yeah, total disaster. Major League Baseball, they got to be sick to their stomach. Yeah, I am too. Why? It's just going to be unwatchable. Like, what's fun? What's fun about it? He ate something. Well, let's be honest, bro. Yeah. The Phillies, Rangers, not exactly a who to second either. No, but you would have had back-to-back World Series appearance out of the Phillies. Yeah, There's I mean, more of a storyline there, you know. There's a storyline here. Well, the Cartel World <laughs> Series. Yeah. <laughs> Look at those borders in Arizona and Texas. Well, the real, I'm not even kidding. Yeah. The real storyline, I think, is you could have Degrom, Jordan Montgomery, Max Scherzer. Scherzer's out. Degrom is out. Yes. <laughs> so Montgomery, yes. The former Yankee. <laughs> both former Mets, DeGrom and Scherzer, are out. Yeah, DeGrom what finally you... got there. Oh, he's right. The DeGrom's been out for like six months. Yeah, but isn't Did Scherzer... you hear that Kennedy got his no, I, I know that. I know that yeah. DeGrom's out, but he's still, yeah. he'll still get a ring if they win. Okay, great. Yeah. And Scherzer's, what do you mean? Scherzer's healthy. Out. He has been left off the World Series roster. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Well, wow. How about that? Well, you're the sports guy, so. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Scherzer left off the World Series roster. There you go. The big night in the NHL as well. All 32 teams in action. You had the Rangers winning 3-1 to over the Flames. You had the Devils 
winning five to two over the Canadians, and you had the Islanders losing uh, seven to four over the uh, or to not over underneath, I guess you should say, to the Colorado Avalanche. And finally, the NBA regular season opened up last night with a pair of games. Finally, get some local action tonight as both the Knicks and Nets are set to open their regular season campaigns on home court. Knicks get the Boston Celtics at 7 p.m. And uh, the Nets will get the Cleveland Cavaliers, Cavaliers at home at 7.30. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal in a the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. It's getting to the point where I'm no fun anymore. I am sorry. Sometimes it hurts so badly I must cry out loud. I am lonely. I am yours, you are mine, you are what you are, you make it hard, remember what we said. So a couple years ago, I uh, made my way to the Patterson Police Department in Patterson, New Jersey, Lou Spagnola, dear friend of mine, his father Larry, the former chief, and had a chance to, uh, to visit those guys. Right now, that Patterson Police Department is being run by... A retired NYPD three-star chief, you know him, Issa Abasi. But my next guest is a New York guy. He grew up in Red Hook, Brooklyn. He moved to New Jersey in 1996. I guess he was hired in Patterson in 2005. And just this year, he was elected the PBA president. It was in June of 2023. So for New Yorkers, he's got the job in New Jersey that Pat Lynch had here for many, many years. Pat Lynch is no longer the union chief. It is now a guy by the name of Pat Hendry. But my man, Angel Jimenez, on the line right now, he's uh, has that uh, same exact job. Former New Yorker, Brooklyn guy, now the union head in New Jersey. Angel, good morning, buddy. How are you? Uh, good morning, Sid. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm the PVA president for Local 1, not the not the entire state. Okay, but, uh, for Local over. 1. So so what is Local yeah. 1? Is uh, Patterson and what else? Yeah, Local 1 is, is uh, we're the first local actually in the entire country. We were incorporated in 1896. We had like uh, 10 guys met in secret in Prospect Street in Patterson. <laughs> so it's, a, it's kind of an interesting uh, history with that, with how the local was established. Okay, so it's just strictly Patterson, New Jersey, then. That's it. Yeah, strictly Patterson. Uh, Patrick, uh, uh, Pat, uh, Pat is the uh, state PBA president. Pat uh, Hendry you're talking about. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, no, uh, Pat uh, Pat Calligan. Oh, in your state, right? Okay, there you go. See, I confused yeah. New York and New Jersey. I mean, you were a, a New York guy. You grew up in uh, Red Hook, Brooklyn. What what uh, made you move to Jersey in 96? Just so you know, I was a Brooklyn guy my whole life, lived in New York, and then um, when my daughter was born, Ava, in uh, 2004, Danielle and I, my wife, we moved to Tenafly, New Jersey, and I loved it there. In fact, to this day, 
That's been my favorite address. Now I got fired, lost my job, moved to Boca Raton for 16 years, but I love Tenafly, New Jersey. I know why I moved. Why did you? Well, I mean, I was just a 13-, 14-year-old boy, so, you know, my mom just wanted to, to relocate. Uh, our grandfather, who kept the family together, had just passed away, and I think all of, you know, everyone started moving out of the city. That family moved to Florida, Texas, and then we decided to go to Jersey. And do you live in Patterson? Where exactly do you live? No, no, I, uh, I, I just got married uh, recently, and I just oh, moved into my wife's hometown in Ringwood, New Jersey. Very I'm nice. nearby. It's about 25 minutes away. Very nice. Well, mazel tov to you on uh, on the wedding. And, of course, just a couple of months removed, June, so we're talking about three or four months removed from getting this job elected by your uh, the, the people uh, who respect you as the PBA president. So how exciting was that for you? Oh, it was very exciting. The transition has been quite challenging, but uh, but we're moving along. We're making a lot of changes, you know. So, you know, we have our first fundraiser coming up actually tomorrow. So uh, we it's, a, it's our first fundraiser in probably over a decade. So it's, uh, it's quite exciting. It's a lot of work, but it's worth it. So what does your daily job entail? I mean, you got a fundraiser coming up tomorrow, and uh, Patterson uh, could be tough at times. There is crime in that area. Plus, you got that uh, crooked board a couple of years ago that basically everybody had to be taken off that uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the board in uh, Patterson, New Jersey, going back to four or five years ago. What does your job entail on a daily basis? Well, I, I have an executive position. So I'm one of few unions in the state of New Jersey that's called a full release. So basically, my position is a full-time position. I'm on call 24-7. So, you know, like, for example, you know, I got a call late last night. You know, if something happens with one of my officers, whether they're injured, whether, um, you know, there's an incident, some maybe one of the supervisors will contact me and just get, let me know if I have to reach out to one of our on-call attorneys, if, they're, God forbid, there's a police-involved shooting or, you know, the AG's office has to investigate some sort of incident. Uh, that, that's basically it. You know, I'm the, I'm the go-to guy for the entire union for both the PBA and the SOA guys as well. I uh, have the SOA president. We work together uh, running the union. So it's only me and him that are basically uh, on call 24-7. The rest of our board, unfortunately, they have to work through their regular police duties. Uh, so it's just me and him. And what is your relationship like, uh, Angel, with uh, Chief Abbasi? My relationship with him is very good. He's a, he's a New York guy, just like me. So, you know, whoever sits in that chair, you know, if they're successful – that means my membership is successful. So my my the, the chief's office, the administration is not an adversary for me personally, because you know at the end of the day they want to get us as much resources as possible because they want to get crime down. They want to get more officers on the street. They want to get more police vehicles. So there's there's never any issues with the administration from the police department standpoint. City hall. That could be a whole different story because that's where the resources come from, right? Yeah, I get it. So, I, yeah. New York is, I mean, it's uh, you know, mirror images of each other, down to your Democrat governors, Murphy and Hochul, to Democrat mayors in your cities, and just mirror images. And look, again, I, I lived in Tenafly, that Bergen County area, beautiful. You know, Tenafly, Englewood, Demarest, and Alpine, lovely. Uh, Patterson, not as much. Now, maybe it's changed over the last couple of years. But when I think of Patterson, I think of, of a place that's got a lot of crime. Is that still the case or not really? It's, it's, it's still the case. But, you know, Patterson has, has a very rich history. You know, we're the first industrial city in the country. Uh, 
you know, it's, uh, you know, with a lot of Italian immigrants that moved into our city, into this city back into the, in the 1920s, all the way into the 70s. You know, when you have a populated city like that, you're going to have crime, you know. But the only way to deter crime is you need a lot of boots on the ground. You need a lot of officers. So we had the layoffs about 12 years ago. We haven't recovered since. And that's been the cause of, of the high crime rate in our city which is something my responsibility to advocate for through the chief, which he, which chief Abbasi has, you know, we've, we've, we're advocating for more officers. We're advocating for more pay. The other issue is my guys start at minimum wage, $16 an hour is what they start at. And that's something Jeez. that I've been fighting for since I took over in June. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a very sad situation, but you know, officers are, you know, risking their lives and their, their pension and their safety. They know that risk, but when they come into the job and they realize, wait a minute, the neighboring town is making $30,000 more than me to do the same job, and they don't have to deal with the high crime. I don't have to stay, and they leave. So that's been an issue for us for 12 years now. That's a huge issue. This is the PBA president elected just uh, back in June, Angel Jimenez, in uh, Patterson, New Jersey. So here in New York, of course, you've got all kinds of issues with the way bad, you know, politicians don't even treat the cops the way they should, but certainly folks on the street, it is nasty. I mean, we're just, we're less than a week removed, Angel, from this uh, huge pro-Palestine, which is basically pro-Hamas murder rally in Bay Ridge. 5,000 animals showed up, and by the end of that protest, they were throwing bottles at the cops and spitting on the cops and trying to punch the cops. And these things happen in New York all the time, going back to the summer of 2020 with all that nonsense because of George Floyd. How bad is that in New Jersey? You guys go through the same thing? Yeah, we, we got a, we got a little taste uh, of that. Uh, definitely not as, not as big as New York, but yeah, we've, we've had, I've personally in my career, I've never seen this amount of viscerous towards us protests. I've never seen it up until about two years ago. And, and it's been constant. And I think a lot of that has to do with some of our leaders not dispelling a lot of the misinformation about how investigations work, how our jobs work. And for some reason, we just, it just got out of hand, you know, so, you, you know, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it hasn't been as bad as New York, but it certainly has gotten a bit, a bit uh, rough. I think a couple months ago, we, we had a, a huge protest this was back in, I think, May, and it looked like the, the, the crowd was going to try to storm our headquarters, but we, st- we wow. stood fast and we, uh, we didn't allow that to happen. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it, it kind of calmed down since, but it, it seems to happen at least once a year, we'll have an incident and then it just, you know, uh, these, um, anti-police, uh, advocates tend to love to yeah. spew misinformation to get the crowd riled up. And it's always young kids. Yeah. yeah. Young kids are the easiest to influence. Idiots. You know, they don't pay attention <laughs> to the media. They don't, you Morons. know, they don't watch 77 uh, WABC. They don't listen to the, you know. Right, they, they should so they, be. They, they well, not even them, but, should the, be, but, but they the, don't. The, the stupid parents should be listening, too. So uh, yeah. the last question uh, about all this comes from a political place, and that is that a lot of cops... This is anecdotal, but I know a lot of cops, and they love me. They love me. Yeah. Uh, a lot of cops feel like the governor in New York, Hochul, and even the mayor, who was a police officer for 22 years himself, Eric Adams, don't always have their backs. How do you guys feel about Phil Murphy in New Jersey? Well, for Phil Murphy, uh, 
I mean, I don't have an issue with him personally, but I can speak on, on our politicians in our city. I have to say, even though they're, they're Democrats, the mayor is actually very supportive of us. Um, um, Murphy, you know, he's implemented some of these policies. I think that the, the, the issue that I have with the Murphy administration is they, they issued a police licensing system that's going to start in January. And we're trying to navigate through that. And essentially what they're what I'm concerned with is they will circumvent the due process for my members where if they feel, even though my members were cleared on administrative investigation, the police licensing committee can turn around and say, you know what, we, we disagree with that. We're not going to renew your license. And now my officers won't, won't be able to be cops. So now you have to go through a whole appeals process. It, it's just something that I'm very concerned with. That That's my only issue with this administration. And they just kind of threw this at us. I think the beginning of last year, and it's going to be implemented in January. And that's something that I think New York needs to pay very close attention to, because what happens here affects there. You know, that police licensing thing is, you know, depending on how that's implemented and the way New Jersey is doing it is, is, is the first in the country. Is essentially the committee can just refuse your, yeah. your, to renew your license uh, from an administrative investigation that was already investigated, whether you were cleared or maybe even had a minor discipline. So that that's something that's we're, we're as a union. I'm extremely concerned with that. Final sixty seconds. I was um, warm-hearted. I must tell you, Angel, when I found out that Patterson is finally going to honor one of the great policemen in the history of Palace of Patterson and a former chief, by the way. Big night coming up for Larry Spagnola. Excellent oh, yes, job yes. out of you guys. Well done. Yes, yes. Uh, chief Spagnuolo was my chief, but not only do, are we honoring him, but we're honoring you, Sid. I don't know if uh, Louis told you, but I got you a plaque, uh, you know, because I am a fan. I was a little nervous today, but, uh, you know, I just want to make sure you're listening. Oh, 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 hold, on, hold on a second. Hold, hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. First of all, yeah. thank you for being a fan. Don't be nervous. You've been great. Not good. Great. <laughs> you know, a couple of, <laughs> couple of weeks ago, uh, Paul DiGiacomo, I know you know who he is, also a union yeah, head yeah. for the DEA in New York. So he invites yeah. me to this beautiful dinner at Russo's on the Bay. And, Angel, there's a bunch of cops there, guys in wheelchairs. They were stabbed, shot 20 yeah. times. They oh, still got the bad guy. Unbelievable stuff. And they all get awards. And the dinner is about to end. And Paul has an award for me. So here I am in front of a 1,000 people at Russo's on the Bay. I start to cry because I don't believe, even to this day, I'm worthy of that. Now, you're telling me. Fresh off the Giacomo giving me an award at the DEA dinner yeah. that you guys in Patterson are giving me something? Yes, yes. We have a, a special plaque. And on, on the badge is our first badge, which was, which was established in 1875. I have your name engraved with badge number 77 representing your radio station. Oh. Oh. You know, and, and right. you know, just something you need to know, Sid. Police officers, we need heroes. We don't have one. We have very few, and you're one of them. Oh my God. You're our voice. You are our voice. I'm telling you right now, you know, it's really hard out here, and when we're always constantly being bagged on and always the negative thing thrown in our face, there's very few people like you that speak on our behalf. So, you know, I hope, you know, we can meet in person so I can present this to you in person. But essentially, this is, you know, in appreciation of your respect and support for your advocacy and understanding of the challenges faced by law enforcement and basically having our back. And we appreciate that. And it's signed by me. And, it, and you know, I, I hope it will be up on your wall because I know you have a wall full of plaques. And if you think that we're not listening, 
Always look at your wall. We're always listening. We appreciate everything you do for us. Son of a bitch, you made me cry. Angel, <laughs> <laughs> man. I, well, that's, I mean, I, I know Lewis is going. I knew Sid was going to cry at that point, but um, <laughs> I really am touched. I'm serious. I, I Everything I do on this show is sincere, whether I'm talking about, uh, you know, you, Angel, and, and uh, the guys that work hard for you in Patterson or the guys in Brooklyn or Queens or my Israeli people right now trying to fight these animals uh, no matter what, my family, my friends, everything I talk about on this show comes from a very sincere place. And uh, what you did for me here this morning is really, really beautiful and over the top. So thank you very much. Thank you. No, thank you, Sid. You have a wonderful morning, brother. You too. I hope to meet you in person. I can't wait. And, uh, yeah, we'll meet in the city, and I'll go there, and we'll, I'll grab that uh, beautiful plaque. Angel Jimenez, that is terrific. The PBA president since June of 2023 in Patterson, New Jersey. Thank you, Angel. And, of course, thank you to my dear friends, both Larry and Louis Spagnola, for getting this done. That is a great hour number one, folks. Only one hour. Norman Seabrook, Angel Jimenez. We've got a huge 7 o'clock hour about to come your way, which includes Curtis Saliwa. And what's going to happen in the chamber at the house today? Long Island's very own Anthony D'Esposito will give us the latest. 7 o'clock hour, coming up. I am yours, you are mine, you are what you are. You make it fun. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Is Sid and friends in the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Seven nineteen on your Ramsey Mazda Back to Blue Wednesday morning back here with Sid. So last night I um, traveled very, very far, very far, all the way down to Beach 90th Street. Ended up at the Knights of Columbus for a night that Curtis Sliwa put together with his sister Maria. Maria's great at her job, by the way. And Dakotas, of course, you know, great ratings, noon to one every weekday afternoon, great ratings, overnight weekends, and on with me every morning. And people really love this segment. Even people that don't love Curtis love this segment. 
So he puts together this town hall meeting last night to try to keep the migrants out of Floyd Bennett Field. And to Curtis Sleeva's credit, his work and his wife Nancy and all those rebels on Staten Island, they have managed now to vacate eight different migrant centers. Eight. And we are hoping in my neighborhood, we all live right by Floyd Bennett Field on the Queens side. I've got brothers like my sister on the Brooklyn side that Curtis can do it again. So I have to tell you that about 300 people showed up at this town hall last night. I was shocked by the turnout. A lot of my great neighbors, people like Joe Murray and others, and we had some uh, good folks there, Tom Sullivan, who, of course, beat Stacey Amato, but they jobbed him. Iraq, Afghan, Kuwait hero, dragged bodies out of burning buildings on 9-11. He was there. Uh, Tom Willis, who works with Tom Sullivan, he was there. We had uh, Joanne Aweola didn't make it. But I love Margaret Powers. I love her. And I love her husband, Paul King. They were both there, as uh, well as uh, somebody actually showed up for uh, Jamie Williams, if I remember correctly. Uh, Cranston showed up for uh, Jamie Williams. And then Mike Massa showed up. He's running for DA. And a young lady I really like running for city council, Daniela May. So there were a lot of politicians there last night, but it didn't matter. Because the crowd couldn't wait for Curtis to speak. And I have to say this. Not because I do love him. you got to see this guy live in action. Whether it's at a rally, which, Lou, you've seen outside of Floyd Bennett Field or inside this Knights of Columbus last night. There is nobody like Curtis. And he had this crowd in an absolute frenzy. And for a couple of minutes there last night, for the first time, because of Curtis, I actually believed we're going to keep the illegals out. But then I went home. Curtis's night continued and I'm excited to find out what happened the rest of the way. So congrats, Curtis. Good morning. Thank you. In fact, uh, I had the crowd at such a fever pitch that if I said to them, hey, let's go out and close down the Gil Hodges Bridge right now, they would have all followed. Well, I, I could tell you this. It's funny you say that because what you said was, here's the plan. Yes. And the plan, your exact verbiage was, the plan involves civil disobedience. And some lady in the crowd screamed, Epping, let's go. Yeah. Had him fired up. But it's not the right time. We've got to keep our powder dry. And uh, the mayor was complaining uh, in the Gnome Ladens newscast, there's going to be visible evidence of the migrant crisis. Uh, I had to jump on the A-chain in order to make it because we were tied up in traffic. So I sent Sid Rosenberg actual photos of the visual, visible evidence, <laughs> the mothers and their daughters going up and down the A-train, selling all kinds of candies. I think they're being subsidized by dentists. I really do. I mean, how, do how do they get the I, mean, I see them, uh, the Ford train on Fulton Street all the time. Yes. Mothers and little boys and girls, clearly they're from South America. Yes. And they've got carts filled of fruit and candies. My friend Lynn says they steal it, but how do they really get it? Uh, the dentists have uh, pulled their resources <laughs> together. You eat any of those candies, they're so sugared up. If you're a diabetic, you're going to have insulin shock. You mean like this? Oh, that's right. And uh, you're going to be making dental visits. No, it's all it's all basically wholesale retail. We front you these items. You kick back the cash. Again, they've created a business atmosphere. These are Venezuelans. They know business. Remember, before, there was Hugo Chavez, and then the bus driver Maduro took over for him. This is the most capitalistic country in all of South America. And now look at them. They're sitting on a pool of oil in which they could all be doing well, and they got who gots? They got bupkis. But let me tell you something.
we got to work it out for you. I use the image of uh, Jack Nicholson. I mean, the departed where Leonardo nice. DiCaprio is sitting outside. It was great. And he comes out all bloody, and that's me. And I said, what do you got? Because I got to go back. I got to get back to business. And now it's the business of stopping the tents that are already up in Floyd Benefield. And I told all of your friends, stay out of my way. Get out of my freaking lane. Stop with these lane protests in which you got 25 people showing up and 50 cops. You know how weak that looks? And they got one coming up tonight and oh, tomorrow God. in Brooklyn. Stop. Stop. I, I agree with you. Jamie Williams, if you're listening and uh, any of these other folks, just stop. I mean, the truth is, if you can't get, forget about me. Forget about me. I mean, look, there's no question. I'm a rock star. People love me. But in this, Curtis Slee was the man. He is the man. And if not, you can't get Curtis, don't do it. Right. Not only that, we don't know yet. Are they going to be women and children being bust in? Nobody wants to see protests against women and children. Hold your fire. Well, you know, you made that point last night. And what does it remind you of? Israel. Yes. Right? You knew, and it came quicker than we were hoping, that eventually once innocent, as if that happened, as if there's such thing as an innocent Palestinian, they teach their kids in second grade to kill the Jews. But innocent Palestinians die. Mm. Same thing here. Right? They're on our side. You start yelling at women and children. They hate you quick. The aesthetics... Uh, the vi- visual of it. Oh, you're white supremacists, you haters. Hold your fire. You don't know who's coming in yet. We got intelligence. We get inside the tents. We, we got to do our due diligence. And then they had this lawsuit. We didn't even get an explanation. I got, remember, what did I say, Sid? What did I say? This lawsuit makes no sense. You're going to Staten Island to fight a case that's in Brooklyn and Floyd Benefield. Oh, so you're talking about Joanne Ariola specifically and John G. M. Pong. Because they they have gone to Congress. They have tried. Yeah, yeah. You go, Congress can't even figure out the Speaker (laughs) of the House, right? Oh, I'm really a lot, a very faithful, right? And then you had Mike Lawler on yesterday to do his confession. And you notice that wise guy at the end said, well, the next time I take a picture with Jamal Bowman, I won't smile. What an idiot. Yeah. And these people, and, and you give beat down to Esposito or whatever his name is no, coming I, I, up. I beat down Lola what pretty good yesterday. What a circus that is. <laughs> and, and, oh, oh, so Joanne goes to speak at the house. They can't even get, speak a, get a speaker of the house. So give me, I need your opinion then, yes. because I made the point last night, and I think I pissed off Margaret Powers, Paul King's wife, because I made the point that yes. you knew about this months ago. In May, May 19th, I announced it right here, the most popular listen-to radio station in the nation. And Joanne Ariola shot it down and said, I don't take radio advice uh, advice from radio guys. So I made that point last night, but then I did give Joanne credit because the last couple of months or weeks, she has been working hard. So are you down on Joanne, or do you feel like, okay, she blew it initially, but at least she's working now? Just stay the hell out of my lane, Just leave it to you. That's it. You had 25 demonstrators show up, 50 cops the other day. Stop it. Stop it. And then you're going to do it again today. City Hall is laughing at all of you. They said, we got these crackers. <laughs> and by the way, the most important meeting last night wasn't even with the 300 in the Knights of Columbus. It meeting. wasn't? No. Uh-oh. I sat with Ray Donovan afterwards at Rocco's <laughs> restaurant. Oh, my friend Vinny. You know, the two guys both named Vinny. Own Rocco's yes. on 116th Street. It's a great Italian restaurant. Great. In fact, when, uh, <laughs> this is a great story. When Gravesend season two came out, they've got televisions yes. inside the restaurant. Yes, yes. Every, like Matarano's place That's in right. Florida. So I called Vinny and I said, if you put 
my scenes, my scenes, with Andrew Dice Clay and William DeMeo on the TVs, I will come with my family tonight and take Lou Rapino and MJ. And he did it. And all night long, my face was on the TV well, screens. Uh, but you were there. You called them Ray Donovan. You were there with an actual very, very powerful attorney and a dear friend of mine who used to be an enemy of yours, the great Joe Well, Miller. you're from Canarsie, right? When Canarsie <laughs> High School, we talked about Canarsie. All the guys, uh, let's just say guys that had beefs with me, it's over. We're all coming together. And he acted like Ray Donovan. He's the fixer. He's got to put this all back together again because the legal strategy failed miserably. It was like Humpty Dumpty took a big fall, and now we got to put it all back together in order to make this so, work. So you think legally it's dead. They, they seem to think that it came back to the state now, uh, but look, it's dead. dead. Look, 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 Sid. Said, I'm a pro at this. I right? know you are. We've closed eight migrant centers. When I say it's we, not just I, it requires a we. All I said last night is everybody just stay in your freaking lanes. I met with uh, Ray Donovan, Joe Murray, because we're trying to put this all back together. The guy is a criminal defense attorney. When you're in trouble, who do you call? Do you call jo- uh, John Champoli, uh, who's the lead attorney in this, who's an election lawyer? Yeah. Well, if all of a sudden you were locked up, who would you call? Well, I mean, I've got Murray. I've got Takapina. Uh, forget Takapina. I've got Idala. That's not his thing. I got, I got the mayor. No, no. <laughs> Takapina is not from Canarsi. We know no, how I to do this. We know how Listen, to go to work. I'm the guy that introduced Joe Murray. Well, you know who he was. You knew each other, but yeah, he and, showed and, up at those rallies and, and, and I had a pimp slap him last year for not inviting me to his Christmas extravaganza. This year he said, you're, you're invited. Yeah, but you're not going to come. Yes, I am. Okay, well, guess who's going to be on the stage with you? Who? Mayor Eric Adams. Doesn't matter. You can't share his oh, stage. Oh, no, no, with I'm, the I'm, there with, I'm there for the kids. Uh, he explained to me all the so what, autism, so, so, right. so, uh, junior diabetes. Yeah. Yes, it's juvenile diabetes, it's autism. Yes. This year, he's even involving this proxy yes. for me yes, and Danielle. Yes, exactly. So when I'm up on stage with the great Joe Causey, yes. introducing all the big figures. My very dear friend, Joe Causey. He loves you. And I introduce you, yes. and I have you introduce the mayor. Yes. Will you say Mayor Eric Adams or the swagger man with no plan? No, no, no. Uh, mayor Eric Adams. This, right. this is for the children. All right. And I saw Joe almost cry last night. This is, this is a tough defense attorney, right? At dinner? A man of steel. Yeah. He's like you just moments ago. Yeah. Talking about the children. All the thousands, tens of thousands of children. Hey, look, that hit me right right here in my heart. He's very sincere, Curtis. So very sincere. There's no doubt about it. And they yeah. start, they're already at work preparing for all the festivities. Oh, have you been to this yet? Yeah, I've never been there. First time for me last year, Curtis, when I tell you, it is unreal. You'll see why when you get there that night, it takes two months to put together. I promise I won't try to rally everybody up to join me to close the Gil Hodges Bridge or the Bell Parkway. <laughs> well, is that what's going to happen next? In all seriousness, when you talk about civil disobedience yes. and you talk about what's worked for you yes. and the rebels, and you guys have done an unbelievable job, you, you have become the, the hero of New York. It was very nice that last officer in New Jersey called me a hero. You're the real hero. Are these the types of things you can expect people in my neighborhood to start doing? Yes. In fact, uh, I've already alerted the strategic response group of the NYPD. They did a great job Saturday night because they put that horseshoe blockade to those crazy Palestinians and some of your Jews. Jews for Hamas. Jews for justice. Because they blocked them at 72nd and 5th. They were on their way to 3rd Avenue because the Irish were waiting outside of the salty dog, the poor house, and the three jolly pigs. They would have pounded the hell out of them 
and the cops brought their helicopter in and the drones and they said, if these Palestinians and Jews for Hamas make it to Third Avenue, they'll never see the light of day tomorrow morning. These Irish guys have their two by fours like the hacksaw Jim Reynolds and they're ready to hit him so hard their mothers will feel the vibrations. Great job, NYPD. But I told them, I don't want no drones when I get arrested or the helicopters. Strategic response group, bring out the cops because we're shutting down the Gil Hodges Bridge and the Belt Parkway. Coming to you real soon in Operation Hush Hush Mush Mush. Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Boy, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. This is the theme song, of course, from the hot TV show SWAT. <laughs> of this Ramsey Mazda Back to Blue. It's kind of a cool song, actually. It's, could you not get excited when you were a kid watching these guys? I did, I did, yeah, I did. The yeah. building when they were called to a big I did. But then again, I got, I got excited, too, when those uh, uh, two lesbians played uh, songs at the Magic Garden with uh, Sherlock oh, the uh, Squirrel. That's so. right. One would have the guitar. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Magic I'm not even sure they were both lesbians. I don't know, but it certainly makes the story better. Well, so. in your head, they were lesbians. Well, I mean, that's um, allegedly. <laughs> yeah. See, if I throw allegedly in there, according to my wife, the attorney, I could basically say anything I want. Well, thanks to Danielle. Yes. Great. Well, allegedly. <laughs> but I did love SWAT. I mean, I loved a lot of these uh, cop shows, you know. I mean, I never missed NYPD Blue Tuesday nights. You know, that's uh, that for me was like, for a while there, Miami Vice, Friday nights, never missed it. Never. In fact, I used to um, wait before I went out and drank and did cocaine till that show was over. Tuesday nights, NYPD Blue. <laughs> There's your irony right there. Yeah. I'm going to go do some blow yeah. while I watch this cop show. <laughs> well, the show made me just so excited to go out. It was hey. like, I mean, who didn't go see, like, for example, uh, Scarface and then go out and just go nuts? <laughs> Look, let's be careful out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, Sopranos was like that on a Sunday night and... Embarrassed to admit this, but Sex in the City was like that on a Sunday night. But uh, certainly uh, SWAT was one of my favorites. We're going to talk to Anthony D'Esposito. I like this kid a lot, Long Island congressman. He's going to come up and tell us what's going on with Mike Johnson because uh, I don't think it's going to be Mike Johnson for some reason, but I don't know anything. I'm looking at Byron Donalds out of the great state of Florida, but Anthony knows better than me. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
one of my favorite U2 songs ever, Bullet the Blue Sky. And, of course, blue is a theme today. In fact, I'm dressed in blue. Dog blue slacks, midnight blue button-down shirt, and a really nice blue sport jacket. All part of our festivities today as we celebrate the cops. It's Ramsey Mazda's Back to Blue. So good choice here, Lewis. U2's Bullet the Blue Sky. So I'm getting ready for this uh, town hall last night. Curtis was on the A train. So I actually ran into the Knights of Columbus with a bag from McDonald's. Swear to God. People started walking over, and I was such a dick. I'm like, guys, I got to eat. I got to eat. So I went to this room, which put about 300 people in there by the time we started this thing, and I shut the doors. And every now and then somebody would walk in. Hey, Sid, I'm like, I got to eat. I got to eat. Sorry. Give me like 10 minutes. And the bar was open inside the Knights of Columbus, so they went back into the bar and drank. But I had to eat. And when I finished eating, I, I uh, it occurred to me that I'm still pissed off at these House Republicans. With all everything going on in this world, the fact that, uh, you know, every day's another putz who can't get through. When I say putz, Jim Jordan's a great guy. Steve Scalise is a great guy. I don't know anything about this Tom Emmer guy yesterday, but Mike Lawler, I chewed him a new a-hole yesterday. I actually felt badly afterwards. I beat him up so badly. But I like this uh, guy, Anthony D'Esposito. I do like him. Very good congressman. Very good. Not because Peter King likes him, because I like him. And he was on last week, and I yelled at him, too. I said, you're part of the problem. Stop blaming Matt Gates and Nancy Mace. You guys did the same thing. Well, no, you got to understand. Salt tax and... Uh, but whatever. What's done is done. Now they got to fix it. So I reached out to Anthony. He's a great guy. Picked up the phone right away. And I said, come on tomorrow and give me the latest because in the next 24 hours, I'm going to say this as simply as possible. They need to get this effing done. That's it. We don't care anymore. Get it done. So here he is out of Long Island, Congressman Anthony D'Esposito. Tony, good morning, pal. How are you? What's up, Sid? How are you? I, I want to thank you for uh, always supporting the police, and especially today on Back to Blue Day. And it's ironic because I'm actually thinking about it more than ever than going back to the NYPD after the couple weeks we've had here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, you were uh, you were a brave New York City police officer, and I know what. Even though I yelled at you a couple of days ago, that you're you're actually on my side. You're just as frustrated as I am. But you know, now that you touched on that, Anthony, why don't you talk just a little bit about your experience working with the NYPD? Uh, it's, listen, it's uh, it's the greatest job in the world, and, and people say every day, even now, uh, aren't you glad you got out of there? And, and the answer is no. It's one of the things I miss every day. Uh, I miss the job. I miss the, the people that I worked with. Uh, it truly is uh, a front-row seat to the greatest show on earth. Where were you working out of what precinct? I forgot. I'm sorry. I, I did my whole career in Brownsville, Brooklyn, in the 7-3. Oh, man, I, uh, that's a rough there, hood. I started there on patrol and then uh, went to the detective squad there. That's a rough hood, bro. It is. It's uh, it's a long way from uh, from Island Park, that's for sure. No, <laughs> yeah, I was at Island Park on Saturday night. I went to Jordan's Lobster. How did, how was Steve doing? I miss him. I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks. You know what's funny? I spoke to Stevie Friday. Made the reservations. Oh, Sid can't wait to see you. Showed up Saturday. He wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. ah, okay. But it was a nice dinner. So yeah, in fact, now that you mention it, according to Peter King, you had like seven or eight kills in Brownsville. Isn't that true? And I, I, I had none, but I had, I had a very, uh, I, I retired with uh, well over 600 arrests, a lot of wow. felonies. I had a great career, a lot of good investigations, uh, and I do. I miss it every day. And, and I don't know if you know this, I know he's, he's a guest coming up, but Ray Kelly has some deep Island Park roots as well. Is that right? I don't know. What, what are his Island Park roots? 
So he uh, he lifeguarded in Island Park as a, as a teenager. That's where, where he met his wife. His wife was from Long Beach, and his sister wow. uh, lived in Island Park until uh, until she passed. You know, I got to tell you, and uh, making the drive from where I live in, in Bell Harbor to uh, to Jordan's, and going over that bridge. First, you got to go through that whole. It's it's not a great area, and then you get past. Um, I guess uh, I forgot the name of the the place right by the bridge. Very very uh, Orthodox Jewish uh, big big population. And then right, you, five pounds. Yes. When, when you get over the bridge there and you're in Atlantic Beach and it leads to Long Beach, it reminds me so much of my neighborhood because there's a lot of, like, beach condos and a lot of stuff on the water, but so many American flags. One of the most really patriotic neighborhoods, I believe, in New York, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the west end of Long Beach is, uh, you know, is cops and firemen and, and people who uh, – who bleed blue and, and love the United States of America. And it's, it's sort of ironic because Long Beach for many, many years was uh, historically a, a democratic community. Right. Uh, and, has, and we've seen a change there, and I think we're going to see one uh, on Election Day, too. Thank God, and I hope so. Bernard McGurk, the great Bernard McGurk, God rest his soul, and Carol and his two kids and his grandson, Colin, uh, they live there, too. So what was it, before we get to the, uh, the matter on hand today, what was it that prompted you to leave the force and do what you're doing today, which is a congressman out on Long Island? So uh, back in 2016, there was a vacancy on the Hempstead Town Board, which, um, you know, the town of Hempstead is actually the largest town in the country. I think it's bigger than seven states by population. It's, uh, it's a place where, you know, Peter King got his start, Al D'Amato got his start, um, and there was a vacancy on the town board, so I, I, I gave it a whirl. I took a leave of absence from the uh, NYPD as a detective uh, and started a, a career in public service. I ran in 2016. I was the only uh, local elect, uh, local nominee on the ballot with uh, with President Trump. Uh, I ran again in 2017 for a, uh, a four-year term and then was reelected in 2021 with almost 70% of the vote. Uh, and then in 2022, there was the, the, the open seat for the 4th Congressional District, and you know, it was about everything that we talked about. We were on the right side of every issue. Uh, the district had uh, been re- represented by a Democrat for almost 25 years. And uh, we knew that uh, with, the, with, with the foundation that we had in Nassau County, with the leadership of Chairman Cairo, uh, we would be able to win that seat. And that's what we did. Yeah, that was a great day for you guys. It was a, an immensely disappointing day for Republicans like me. I mean, I'll never forget my friend Jesse Waters. And, and by the way, folks, Jesse Waters invited me back on his show last night Talk about New York, and I couldn't do it because of my date with Curtis Sliwa at that town hall in Bell Harbor. So I love Jesse. But I remember the night before, he's talking about, you know, seats 54, 53. And I remember Carl Rove going, wow, slow down just a little. And it was not a good night. But but here in New York, between Mark Molinaro and uh, obviously uh, you three guys out on Long Island, excluding George Santos, it was a very good day. And you were part of that victory. Yeah, absolutely. It, we, you know, we, we say it all the time that it was uh, it was the blue states that actually delivered uh, the majority in the House of Representatives. And uh, I think it, you know, it was because in many of those blue states, people were so fed up. You know, independents and moderate Democrats crossed the line to vote for Republicans because uh, they saw what uh, what the lack of leadership, whether it was Bill de Blasio, whether it was Governor uh, Cuomo's policies or now Governor Hochul's policies, people were fed up. And, uh, you know, we have to give credit where credit is due. We had a great top of the ticket in Lee Zeldin, and uh, it, it showed across New York State. Boy, what an impressive guy this guy is, Anthony D'Esposito, congressman out of Long Island. All right, so wait, you and I spoke last night kind of off the record. You mentioned the name Byron Donalds. I like Byron a lot. 
uh, out of Florida, of course, Republican, conservative. He's also black. That doesn't hurt if we have an honest conversation. Yeah. But I keep hearing the name of Mike Johnson out of Louisiana so far this morning. So where are we? Is it Mike? Is it Mike and Byron? And more importantly, do you expect that in the next 24 to 48 hours, this nightmare is going to be over? And that it is. It is a nightmare. It's embarrassing. And uh, so we, we went through, I think, a total of, uh, I lost count at about six, but I think we went through about eight ballots yesterday. Started in the morning. Um, Tom Emmer came out victorious. And then obviously we took a little bit of a break. Uh, he was trying to get the votes that he needed to go to the floor uh, and become the, the speaker. Uh, then we had another election uh, where there was a few ballots where we did, you know, uh, supported Byron. I think Byron's a great leader. He's uh, one of the individuals that's the future of our party. In fact, Nick Lalota from Long Island delivered his nomination speech to the conference. So uh, we were supporting Byron Donald. And then uh, we had another ballot and uh, Mike Johnson came out on top. He he received the majority of the majority. So he is now given uh, the title of speaker designee. Um, there was, uh, he got, uh, all the, we did a roll call vote. He got, uh, all the votes in the room with the exception of two who voted present. So I guess we'll see how they vote today. And there was 17 individuals, I believe 17 or 18 individuals, uh, that were not in the room. So, uh, he, he and his team spent the evening and I'm sure this morning reaching out to those, uh, who were not present to see where they stand. Uh, and our plan is to gavel in at noon. Uh, I'm sure we will do a quorum vote, which will probably take about a half hour. And uh, it is my hope and, and my prayers that uh, by 1 o'clock or 1.30, uh, we have the 56th Speaker of the House of Representatives. I know it's your hope and your prayers, Anthony Desposito, talking about the possibility, if not probability, that Mike Johnson out of Louisiana is the next one after McCarthy. Prayers and hope and all those nice little words aside, what is your prediction? You're there. I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think that we're going to have a speaker today. I think that... Uh, People have had enough. I think we've had now two and a half weeks for, uh, you know, people to get their, uh, their emotions off their, uh, off their chest. They've said what they had to say. Uh, they've done what they had to do. And now I think it's, uh, I mean, I thought it was time two weeks ago to get back, back to work and get on the floor and do the work of the American people. But nonetheless, I, I believe we are there. Mike Johnson is, uh, is, it represents probably one of the reddest districts, definitely in Louisiana, probably in the country. Um, he's a, a man of faith. He's a, a good leader. He sits on the House Judiciary Committee as well as um, the House Armed Services Committee. Um, he is uh, the, dep- the deputy conference leader of our conference. Um, he has, I spoke to Peter King last night after I had spoken to you. Uh, he was very, very helpful in, in getting uh, Pete King's 9-11 bill across the finish line uh, back in 2018 and 2019. Obviously from Louisiana, he uh, you know, he deals with many of the same things that we deal with on Long Island when it comes to flooding and whatnot. Uh, he has an, uh, an, open, uh, an open policy to um, see what we can do on salt, which is stuff that matters to us. Uh, and, and most importantly, he's respected by the conference. I mean, we, we saw uh, people last night who, who sit on the far right uh, and, and more to the middle, the moderate Republicans, and he got support from all, all throughout. I think that uh, he's someone that can unite us. Uh, he is super humble. He's got a, a great leadership team surrounding him with Steve Scalise uh, and all of the prior um, all of the prior nominees uh, supported him. Byron Donald supported him. Jim Jordan supported him. Steve Scalise supported him. Uh, so I think it's, it's time that, that we come together and do what we were sent there to do. And that is uh, try to save this country. Kevin McCarthy support him, too. Just curious. 
Uh, Kevin McCarthy did support him, yes. Okay. Hey, listen, you are super, man. I mean it. I mean, you're, you're quick oh, to pick you. up I my call, that. and and it's important to me to have these discussions on and off the air, and Long Island is really lucky to have you. So uh, happy Ramsey Mazda back to Blue Day. Thank you for your service as a cop, and uh, thank you for what you're doing politically because you're one of our best out there today. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks, brother. Stay safe. You too. Anthony D'Esposito out of Long Island, and you heard him. Sounds to me like Mike Johnson out of Louisiana will, in fact, be the next Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson out of Louisiana. The great state of Louisiana. Steve Scalise, Louisiana. SS. New Orleans Saints, Louisiana. Bourbon Street, Louisiana. Vomit. Urine. All over the streets. All over the streets. Louisiana. I'll take a short break with two hours in. When we get back, I had a very special guest on in the 6 o'clock hour. And for the second time in a month, I was presented with something I don't deserve. That drove me to tears. You're going to hear all about it when we come back with hour number three with a bunch of great guests, including Peter King, Ray Kelly, and Bernie Carrick. Still to come. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. We have a, a special plaque, and on, on the badge is our first badge, which was, which was established in 1875. I have your name engraved with badge number 77 representing your radio station. Oh. Oh. You know, and, and you know, just something you need to know, Sid. Police officers, we need heroes. We don't have one. We have very few, and you're one of them. Oh my God. You're our voice. You are our voice. I'm telling you right now, you know, it's really hard out here. And when we're always constantly being bagged on and always the negative being thrown in our face, there's very few people like you that speak on our behalf. So, you know, I hope, you know, we can meet in person so I can present this to you in person. But essentially, this is, you know, an appreciation of your respect and support for your advocacy and understanding of the challenges faced by law enforcement and basically having our back. And we appreciate that. And it's signed by me. And, it, and you know, I, I hope it will be up on your wall because I know you have a wall full of plaques. And if you think that we're not listening, always look at your wall. We're always listening. We appreciate everything you do for us. When you 
Well, that's my Casey Kasem long-distance dedication to every proud man and woman wearing blue this morning, listening in their cars right now. Despite what Angel Jimenez said this morning, which was beautiful, and that beautiful plaque that the Patterson Police Department led, of course, by their PBA president, Angel, and my dear friends, Larry and Louis Spagnola, despite what they did for me, and Chief Abasi, too. The real heroes are you guys. And that's why today we've designated this day, as we do every year, to Ramsey Mazda's Back to Blue. Because for all the crap you guys get from these idiots on the street, these animals, when their window breaks at 3 o'clock in the morning, they're calling you. And you guys show up. I don't know why you do. I've been saying for years, you should make a list of all these politicians that defund the police, want to defund the police, and you shouldn't serve them. 
Just don't serve them. Somebody getting beaten up, mugged, heck, raped, which is horrible. Oh, well, sorry, but you don't do that. They can spit on you. They can throw stuff at you like they did just in Bay Ridge five nights ago. And you walk into situations that are deadly. You have people questioning whether you're good or bad. You walk into a community where somebody with a certain race, gender, committed a crime. And then when you stop somebody that may look like that person, you're the racist, you're the bad guy. What is going on in our country today? You guys are the heroes. And that's why we've got this day. And that's why for me, for me, just like a service person dressed in their fatigues, when I see a man or a woman dressed in blue, I make sure I walk over and say, thank you. Thank you. Peter King, Ray Kelly, and Bernie Carrick still to come. Friends in the morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Times like these, there you go. Got three great guys still to come. Peter King, Ray Kelly, and Bernard Carrick. A couple of good texts here. The Haskells, I love these guys. These are great cops. My next guest, Peter King, he knows the Haskells very, very well. Great show for, uh, great show so far, pal. Thank you. Colleen Smith, another uh, Peter King fave out of North, Nassau County. She goes, great song. She was talking about the Mariah Carey hero song. As always, I love that you always play the whole song, Sid. Hashtag hero. God bless the blue prayers for Israel, Colleen Smith, Nassau County Police Unions. I love this one, too. Joseph Aboud, the Arizona Diamondbacks, Texas Rangers, is God's way of saying he doesn't give an F, and he spelled it out, about baseball anymore. That is a disgruntled Boston Red Sox fan right there. And Lou Spagnola checks in, said that uh, Angel started off a little nervous, but it was a great interview. He's a great guy. 
He's the PB, uh, the, uh, yeah, the chief, the union chief there in uh, Patterson, New Jersey, and they presented me this morning. I haven't gotten it yet physically. They sent me pictures of this gorgeous, gorgeous plaque off the heels of Paul DiGiacomo doing the same thing with the DEA. So cops everywhere. Thank you very much. Why are you thanking me? I don't know, but I thank you. Did you get a badge, too? Is that what Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a real badge. The the actual badge first presented in a city. I think Patterson's like 100 years old. I don't know. It's. I mean, you would know better, Norm. You live in New Jersey. The very first ever badge, the replica, given to any cop in Patterson, New Jersey. That's a big deal, no? Uh, you know, I'm a little more concerned right now because now you're trying to get a gun and you have a badge. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Once I have the badge, I just get a gun anyway. Yeah. So the, you're not even going to have to walk in with a background check. They're just going to say, right. oh, oh, you're uh, Officer Rosenberg. You know, okay. you got a yeah. set of balls, Louis. Swing about me. <laughs> Last I checked, and you too know, but Lou, you sat in the studio with a guy for about 15 years and carried a gun. <laughs> oh, that's true. And his hand shook more than Muhammad Ali. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. The well, eye man. You know, I didn't stay in that office whenever that gun came out. I was hightailed. Oh, my God. Him. He would pull that gun out, and I'm serious. He'd be like, you know, every, every yeah. direction. I'm here. Right. <laughs> Right. No, Scary he's, as hell. No, he's bottom of the list of people who should never have had a gun. You know that son of a no. bitch, God rest his soul, he pulled the gun on me once. When, uh, But it was an all an act. It was, which uh, there was an act, but he could, somebody could have killed a bunch of people. When uh, Bo Dito's buddy came in and acted like the guy that I stole the shirts from from the dry cleaner. Oh, right, right. Chuck Zito's friend. What's <laughs> a, right. He beat the living daylight. Like the guy, we had, somebody had explained to the guy, it's only an act. He took it a little too far. Remember he started ripping the computers out of the wall and throwing them up against the window? Bojo was gone, and uh, I missed Drew was gone, and I hit him to turn off his desk. It was an unbelievable day. Yeah, I left early that day. <laughs> yeah, I miss even scared me that day. So <laughs> Anyway, uh, Peter King, Ray Kelly, and Bernie Carrick still to come. You know, for me this morning, we've had great guests already. Again, uh, Angel Jimenez and Norman Seabrook, Curtis Sliwa, Anthony D'Esposito pretty much told you that Mike Johnson out of Louisiana, will be the next House Speaker. You can write that down. But the piece of audio of the day for me is this lowlife who needs to resign or be pushed out. I don't know how it works. This Antonio Guterres happens to be the U.N. Secretary General. And this guy yesterday at the U.N., at the U.N., found it in his heart to defend the Palestinians and Hamas. He's doing the same thing all these other losers do. Not as bad as the squad, maybe, but the same thing that Iran Kuby does. The folks that go, well, we're not okay with the murder, but if you add the word but, you're a shithead. Oh, excuse me, I, I dump it. If you add the word, sorry, I had to be dumped. God, Jesus. I'd like to nominate you for speaker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. And here I am complaining. I'm not getting a Marconi Award. I've been cursing on the hill like I think I'm on the Sirius XM these days. We'd like to present the man who's been dumped more on his own show. Than... Should be an award for that. I dump myself five times a week. Thank you, Louis. But in all seriousness, once you add but to that sentence, you're a lowlife. Bottom line, you're a lowlife. Here's Antonio Guterres. The U.N. Secretary General, here's what he had to say yesterday. It is important to also recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. 
the Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. Suffocating. They have seen their land steadily devoured by settlements and plagued by violence, their economy stifled, their people displaced, and their homes demolished. Their hopes for a political solution to their plight have been vanishing. You hear this? Oh, these poor people. Now I know why they raped these girls. And by the way, they're still raping them today. Last I checked, they've got over 200 hostages. A bunch of them are 18, 19, 20-year-old gorgeous girls that they handpicked out of bomb shelters while grenading the rest of the people and said specifically, you are for rape. Now I get it. That's why they killed all these people, chopped the baby's head off. They're still raping women because they're in a small area. They are suffocating, which is not a word. Suffocating, maybe. When, when you speak, Welcome there, to it'll, America. it'll be a word. Yeah. Well, thank God for this guy, Gilad Erdan. He's the Israeli ambassador to the U.N. And uh, he said what we all should be saying, which is, hey, Gutierrez, resign today. This is cut number two. Mr. Secretary General, in what world do you live? <laughs> Definitely, this is not our world. No. Do I want to remember this world upside down? Families vanish in the midst of the day. The mass grave steaming with vapor of blood. This massacre will go down in history as more brutal than ISIS. Hamas are new Nazis. Hamas are the new Nazis. So Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary General, do the world a favor and resign today? Or if need be, folks, physically remove this bastard and get him out of there. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Ooh. I heard, um... Peter Cosby mentioned the Jacob Javits Center for some reason. I don't know why. I'm too busy looking outside. It's like this really big 77 WABC trolley. I've never seen this before. Oh, that's it's really what, nice. That's what we were supposed to take. I know. <laughs> during the, the summer, feet, yeah. I know. It's really nice. Really, I mean, it's missing my base in the name of our show, but that's fine. <laughs> oh, oh there's Sid. Sid always thinks it's all about Sid again. <laughs> Damn right I do. Seems it's like. all about me. That's right. But on a serious note, it's a gorgeous trolley. Yeah, it is. And it's big. It's like, it's big. Yeah. So um, we didn't mention the Jacob Javits Center. And I do want to congratulate John and Margot Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, specifically, and George and Emily, the whole crew. But tonight is the Marconi Awards. And WABC, this is amazing, folks. Just trust me. Where we were a couple of years ago when we sold off Nash and PLJ and the Urban Station and me and Bernie were just treading water. And where we are today, it's a miracle that A, we're in business, B, thriving, C, this show has become the most important show in the country, and D, we're actually nominated for two Marconis tonight, including, and this is a direct testament to John, Margot, and Chad, legendary station across the country. So congratulations 
to John and Margo and Chad on that. We're also nominated for News Talk. So uh, two nominations coming up for WABC later on tonight. So best of luck with that. I also want to give a very special thank you to our friends at Ramsey Auto Group, in particular Ramsey Mazda, for being our sponsor today for the entire day for Back the Blue. My friends Arthur and Beth Picciano, these are great people, always in support of a great cause, always been very loyal partners, always here to support us at WABC and the initiatives that we do. And i got to tell you that I've gone to their event. They do a, a Bike for Autism event in New Jersey every summer. And with my son, Gabriel, diagnosed with dyspraxia, I certainly have a very close relationship with the autism people. And uh, Beth and Arthur do a great job with that. They back the blue, just like we all do here. We can't thank them enough. Arthur usually comes on with me on the air, but he's traveling right now. So, Arthur, buddy, thank you for always being here to support Back the Blue. And thank you to Jimmy Conroy. I've known Jimmy for many, many years. He's a great guy as well. It's Ramsey Masters and WABC's Back the Blue, and it's all day. A man that always backed the blue on Long Island, always one of the great politicians in my lifetime in New York, 1A and 1, him and Rudy Giuliani, long-time congressman and, of course, Homeland Security and all that good stuff, now a star here at WABC and one of the finest people I know, my dear friend Peter King. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, Sid. Great to talk with you, and congratulations on the nominations. Well-deserved, and uh, all the way to victory. All the way to victory, yes. Um, But I want to talk to you about the cops, especially on Long Island, because right now I can make a very strong argument that between Pat Ryder, you know I love Pat, in Nassau County, and Rodney Harrison in Suffolk County, you'll have a harder time getting a more impressive pair of individuals than Long Island sports right now. Fair to say? Absolutely. First of all, let me say my father was in the NYPD for over 30 years, so I have a, a great affinity for the uh, police. But you, you talking about Long Island, Pat Ryder, Rodney Harrison, both of them are great. I've known Pat for years. He uh, is actually a neighbor of mine. He was a one show. I live in Seaford. He was a great cop. He was a uh, tremendous help when it came to Homeland Security. He was really in the forefront in Nassau County and pushing that. And Rodney Harrison, I know him in the city. I know he's doing a great job out in Suffolk. All the cops I talk to in Suffolk, whenever I see him, he's always first class. Both of these guys are first class. They're top law enforcement officers, and they understand people. They're respected by the uh, men and women in blue, and they're also respected by the community. And they're really uh, great guys. They give Pat special credit during the whole George Floyd, all those riots and demonstrations. Pat kept Nassau County totally under control, never backed down at all. A great cop, great guy. And a lot of these cops, you know, Pete, they're disheartened by the DAs because they go out there, they put their lives on the line, they get no credit, you know, they're no good, they're racist, shut up. And then they arrest somebody <laughs> when they really do. And um, and then the, the guys, the bad guys out in like 15 minutes because all these DAs are racist and crooked, all of them. And you happen to have along with Ryder and Harrison, your two DAs, Ray Tierney, Suffolk County, and uh, my friend and yours, Annie, over there in uh, in Nassau County, Andy Donnelly, uh, also two tremendous DAs. Yeah, you have the commissioners and the DAs working together. Uh, and I'm talking to Bill Bratton, I've Bratton a few years ago, and he was saying that no matter how bad things had gotten in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, uh, 
the uh, city council is always, always relatively conservative. You have people like Peter Vallone who actually worked with uh, Rudy Giuliani when Rudy came in. You had the DAs who were all pro-cop. Now, except for Mike McMahon in uh, Staten Island, you know, the other four are certainly not pro-cop. You know, and Bragg is absolutely the worst. But no, it's a different thing. I mean, the cops always had the district attorneys on their side. They worked together. The city council would come up with the funding when the cops needed it. When they wanted to add that extra cops, it was Dinkins or Rudy. When they wanted to put on extra cops, the city council always went along with it. The city council is always trying to defund the cops. So it's really a, the cops have their hands tied behind their back. And uh, to me, it was really epitomized during those George Floyd riots when the uh, uh, cops were out there being hit with bricks and miles of cocktails been thrown at them. And you had people like Governor Cuomo saying he was proud to stand with the demonstrators. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. I mean that was uh, – uh, and yeah. I don't know, almost any politician who during that time came to defend the cops. I mean, the cops are under siege everywhere and literally under siege. I was talking to a cop who got hit in the face with a brick and lost all his teeth. He was in the ambulance being taken to the hospital, and they tried to turn the ambulance over. And yet there was not a word said about that in the uh, – on the papers, you have law school students throwing Molotov cocktails at the cops. It was a horrible time. And, you know, going back on it now, the one person you can really, one of the first public figures to come forward defending the cops was Cardinal Dolan at that time. He wrote a great op-ed in the New York Post. Today, that's almost forgotten. But at that time, there were very few people standing with the police. You know those DAs. No, you're right about that. McMahon uh, on Staten Island, and you know Melinda Katz is going to win again. George Grasso calls me every day, but he ain't beating her. So Melinda Katz is going to win again, and Darcel Clark's going to win again. And uh, I know Gonzalez in Brooklyn, and who am I missing? Uh, one more, uh, Manhattan. You've got uh, Levine. Oh, so uh, and Bragg. I mean, so they're not running until next year, but it doesn't look like any changes are in store in the near future. So these cops are still going to be dealing with these commissioners and cops with, uh, you know, DAs that are Democrat and uh, really care about the criminals more than the uh, than the victims. But anyway, I want to get to um, your guy, Anthony D'Esposito, because I only know Anthony because of you. You uh, called me way back when and said, you're going to love this kid. He's really impressive. And Danielle and I met you and your lovely wife, Rosemary, at King Umberto's for dinner one night. He was there, him and Joe Cairo, you know, the whole mafia. And I love the kid. And he was on again this morning. I know you heard it. He said, yep. basically, Mike Johnson should be, will be the next speaker of the House. He took apart some of his classmates inside that chamber. And he talked about his experience as a detective and a cop all those years with the NYPD. And he said to me, he goes, you know, Sid, when you called me last night, and I did call him, he goes, the person that I spoke to right after you was Peter King, which said two things to me. A, Nothing gets done on Long Island without talking to you. You're like John Gotti at this point. You're the king. And B, you're right. This kid, the Esposito, Peter, he's really impressive. No, he's really first rate. And, you know, we should probably stop calling him a kid. This guy was a, a career detective in Brownsville. He's chief of the fire department here in Island Park. He's active, uh, active firefighter, active cop detective. And now he's really fighting hard down in uh, uh, Washington. He and I, during this whole mess over the last few weeks, we must talk or text each other five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times a day. I mean, he's really committed on this. And uh, and I, I think, again, I'm, I'm not down there, but from what I can sense, I think Mike Johnson is probably going to get it today. I would have voted for Tom Emery yesterday. Uh, I, I would certainly vote for Johnson today. I don't know him that well, but I know him well enough because uh, I guess he came in in 2016 and I left in 2020. And his last uh, year was COVID, so I didn't deal with him that much. But 
Uh, I, he was very helpful when it came to 9-11 health, uh, 9-11 compensation. He was on a committee. And uh, you know, a lot of those guys from the South aren't that enthused about New York. But Johnson was very good. He was uh, uh, he was on the subcommittee when that uh, uh, a retired cop Alvarez came down. Uh, Louis Alvarez came down to testify. The guy was dying. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, You know, Johnson was there that day. No, he's he's a solid guy. I mean, he's probably you know, more conservative than you would be. Like on issues like abortion, gay yeah. rights, etc. Yep. Having said that, he can deal with everyone. He's not he's not an ideologue, and uh, he's he, he's well respected. So hopefully, he can get it done today. We can't you can't always get the perfect person. And these jobs, we got to get a speaker, and we got to get someone who basically represents the Republican Party, and Mike Johnson does. So I know that Anthony had actually, uh, I think, voted for Byron Donalds the first time through. He did. Uh, he's he's yeah. from Florida. Actually, he's from Brooklyn. He's a Brooklyn guy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I yeah. Know. He's a great so, guy, uh, too. He's a great guy, Byron. Great yeah, guy. And he, and he would have been a good choice, but in the final vote, uh, Johnson got by far the most votes. So hopefully they can all, all come together. We're not going to have some guys on this, you know, standing on the sidelines, posturing, trying to make a name for themselves by you know, blocking the speaker. So uh, yeah. it's important. Listen, with Israel and everything going on in the world today, we have to have the united front. We have to have a speaker in there. Uh, we can't be telling the rest of the world that we're crazy. We don't know what we're doing. We can have our own disagreements. We have to stand together. And certainly on this issue with Israel, we've got to get the aid there. Whatever they need, we have to stand with them. And I tell you, I am so disgusted by the students in this country, by the young people. I was talking to uh, uh, Mark Penn, the pollster. He was telling me, he did a poll, that uh, 35% of young people don't even believe the attack happened, that yeah. ISIS attacked. Right. I mean, a majority opposes that, anyway, that, that, that Hamas attack. They, they actually yeah. say it's all propaganda created by Israel. Yeah. Didn't happen. They say it never happened. That Hamas never did the attack. All that stuff is all uh, uh, Israeli propaganda. And then you have someone like Tlaib down in Washington still saying that it was Israel that bombed the uh, – uh, yeah, the hospital, and I would say probably there's a good percentage of the world is going with that first story that it was oh, yeah. Israel who did it. Oh yeah, that just shows how hypocritical. But, but, but you know who's going? Times but, but you know who else is going with that story? And you know I've done this. How many years have I said to you? I congratulate John Stewart. You talked about Mr. Alvarez, God rest his soul. Right. And Stewart was right there with you and Alvarez in court, and Stewart. Did an awful lot. You did the most, but he did an awful lot to help us get money for these 9-11 families for 100 years. But to be honest, and I'm sorry to Bill O'Reilly, too, because for some reason he seems to like him. John Stewart is a huge pile of dog crap. That's all he is. So you're talking about the students. Megan Kelly put up a list of folks last night headed by yeah, Alyssa Milano of celebrities who, guess what, want to ceasefire because they think the Israelis are much too heavy-handed with Hamas. And guess who was on that list? Scumbag John Stewart. Yeah, I showed, I showed John Stewart was on there, yeah. No, listen, these these actors and actresses and so-called celebrities have no idea what they're talking about. And to call a ceasefire, that would be like us calling for ceasefire against Japan after Pearl Harbor. I mean, this is insane. And also this whole deal with the hostages you know, the way they're stringing it out, they can keep the whole world hostage. I mean, it's like you take hostages and you kill uh, 1,400 people, but you can't be acted against as you give the hostages back one by one. They are using the hostages. And listen, with my uh, family member over there, I'd say do whatever you have to do to get them back. But when you're, you know, you're Israel or you're, uh, you're the United States, you have to look at the larger picture. And the larger picture is all you're doing is, providing a roadmap for Hamas and Iran and Hezbollah 
kill as many as you want, but take a few hostages, and we can't retaliate. Well, that's why they did it. I mean, uh, you know, that's why when Donald Trump says they were smart and everybody in the world is mad at Trump, sorry, idiots, he was right, because they did this knowing this was going to happen. And what I'm disappointed is, is that, to your point, I hate to say it because it's not my kid. If I was Rachel Goldberg, whose son uh, Hirsch has been kidnapped, or or that young lady's mother, you know, Mia Shem, maybe I would speak differently. But I understand now, unfortunately, some of these people will become casualties of war. But if you're going to wipe out the enemy and the terrorists, you got to go do it. And the fact that Netanyahu is listening to Joe Biden, who couldn't give a rat's ass about the Israelis, to be honest, that's really starting to frustrate me. Yeah, Israel is going to have to do what it has to do. Uh, I assume there's you know, a lot of pressure being brought by the U.S. as far as maybe you know, weapon supplies, munitions, and all that. But again, if we start doing all the negotiating for hostages, and listen, negotiate all you want, but don't hold back on the military attacks. All you're doing is encouraging more hostages. They're going to be taking right. more hostages knowing that that's how they get what they want. That's so right. no, it's a, it's a bad decision. And right now, this is a really a make or break time for uh, Israel. I'll be honest. With you, I I thought from the start that uh, all the favorability toward Israel was going to die out sooner or later. It just happens, unfortunately. I didn't think it would be this quickly. I didn't think you'd see yeah. so many demonstrators. It shows yeah. how organized they are. Just like with George Floyd, within two or three days, you had thousands of demonstrators flooding the streets of New York, yeah. all uh, you know, with the walkie-talkies, everything planned. Then you see that the uh, pack of goons down in the. Bay Ridge on uh, was it Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night. night. Five thousand. I mean, turn out these yeah. thousands and thousands yeah. of demonstrators. Yeah. How they can do that, and uh, so and unfortunately, people are listening to that. You watch CNN. You have to show both sides. There are no two sides. There was no two sides between Churchill and the, and uh, Adolf Hitler. I mean, there's no two sides between the U.S. and Japan during World War II, and there's no two sides here. Israel is right. Hamas is wrong. Iran is wrong. Hezbollah is wrong. And anyone who sides with them is morally wrong. If you were here, I think I'd kiss you on the lips. I'm glad I'm not there. I know you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were great. I mean, what you just said was so perfectly said, and uh, you're just a great guest, but more importantly, a great guy, and the cops love you. I've been to Brooklyn Cyclone Stadium with you on big nights for servicemen, the FDNY, the cops. Everybody loves Peter King, and I'm the first person who can tell them why, because you're just a great guy. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Sid. Really appreciate it. Again, you're the man. You Thank too. You. God bless you. There he is, folks. Congressman Peter King. That was a heck of an appearance. That was a great appearance. That wraps up hour number three. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. I got an hour to go. Oh, and not nearly done. The best police commissioner in the history of New York. And the guy right next to him who served us so proudly and so well on 9-11. Two badasses, Ray Kelly and Bernie Carrick, going to wrap up our fourth and final hour of Ramsey Mazda's Back to Blue.
Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. What earlier? Did you tell me Richard Roundtree died this morning? Yeah, it just happened too. It was just announced. Come on! Just announced. I saw it. Gnome and I were. What are the screens. odds of that? Isn't that weird? Isn't it? It's almost like God wanted you to play this song. God speaks to me in mysterious ways. Yes, you, you know, and Eric Adams. You know that. I am a mayor that God <laughs> Shut wanted. Up. Much. We've got problems, but God <laughs> chose me. It's my friend. He's on his way here. Be quiet. Uh, uh, and friends of everybody like <laughs> Jesus Christ was the friends. A couple of all. texts I want to read right here. One of these is um, Lou Gelomino. He's the lawyer on Staten Island. Lou's a great guy. He said, Sid, you're the freaking best you really are. I'm not sure why he said that, but he did. Pat Russo, my good buddy Pat Russo, the NYPD boxing team. Thanks, WABC, for thank the Blue Day. Cops fighting for kids. And he wants to send his regards to Ray Kelly and uh, my morning text from Judge Grasso, who's starting to become like Dr. Mark Siegel. So. <laughs> okay, let's no. – which side is that on? That is the, the side that – they just, they just don't stop texting. I just <laughs> – how many times do I have to say to people, just stop texting me? I'll get to you, I promise. I need you 10 games. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got November 8th against San Antonio, so that's all that Gabe wants. He's got to see Webb and Yama, and of course – Talking about those 10 games, and Knickerbockers open up their schedule tonight, hosting the Boston Celtics. The 2023 season is here. So my friend Steve Sharippa and Corey Zelnick and all the guys very excited. The Nets, who nobody cares about, they open their season tonight in Brooklyn as well at that awful Barclays Center, hosting Cleveland. That's a horrible place. It is. It is oh, no good. It's and the not... client, the clientele there is like... Yeah. It's the bar in Star Wars, it's basically. Not, it's not done well in there. They're either. not walking in with jackets and ties like Madison Square Garden. So, no. some really bad looking sweatsuits and you need some badges there. <laughs> yeah, I need Ray Kelly there. <laughs> anyway, you guys know how I feel. I also love Bernie Kerrick. He was a great police commissioner, but and it was nine eleven, and he was part of that team with Giuliani. But it was a short stay for Bernie, so it's not fair to compare him to a guy like Ray who did it twice and for a long period of time. So in my opinion, and I'm leaving Bill Bratton out of this, stop it. Ray Kelly is the best police commissioner in the history of this city. And I look up to a guy like Ray. I really do. And every cop I speak to that's been around in this city for a long time feels the same way. All of them. There's never enough superlatives to use to describe the man and the cop that Ray Kelly was and is. 
So on the Back to Blue Day, the uh, the girl said, Lottie here came to me, said, the guest booker. And she said, who do you want? And I said, I don't care. Just get me Kelly. I also wanted Dennis Franz because he showed his naked ass in the, in the uh, TV show NYPD Blue. I never forgot that scene. <laughs> it's up on your wall. <laughs> yeah. And I thought he was a great TV cop, him and David Caruso. But I said, just get me Ray Kelly. And here he is, the best ever. Ray Kelly, how are you, pal? Hey, I'm fine, but thank you so much for those uh, kind remarks. It's true. Uh, and and It's not just me. I'm just a dopey radio guy. But so many guys that put their lives on the line for you have said to me, I swear to you, Ray, there's no reason for me to butter you up. They've said to me, I would do it for Ray. I would do it again. And a lot of these police commissioners don't get that type of love today. So you tell me, what do you think it was? Why do you think... Above and beyond Sid Rosenberg, all these cops to this day love and revere you. What was it? What was your your managerial style like that that was the case? Uh, that Well, I always say that I learned just about everything I knew about leadership from the Marine Corps. I was in the Marine Corps, active duty, went to Vietnam. I was in for 30 years in the, uh, in the reserves. And um, they do a great job of teaching you, embedding those leadership principles in you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that a lot of things I did were reflected of uh, my Marine Corps training because it was great training. You know, I'm embarrassed because of all the nice things I say about you and how often you come on this show, which I appreciate. I never knew that. I knew your son, Greg, was a hero and served our country very, very proudly, and clearly he got that from you, so the apple didn't fall far from the tree. But I had no idea both of you guys served this country. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I had three older brothers who were in the Marine Corps, so I had no choice. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to go in. Yeah, I had to go in. So um, were you uh, in, in a fighting place at some point? or? Oh, yeah. Oh, you were? Where were you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I was in the way Fubai. I was in uh, the I-Corps, which is where the Marine Corps was uh, in Vietnam. I was there in 1966, and it was uh, a great experience. War is terrible. War is hell, as they all say. But if you live through it, you you can take away a lot of lessons. And I think uh, I did that, uh, and and it was all in all a a benefit uh, to me and maybe my leadership style. I don't know. Well, no, it probably is. And before we get to your leadership style here in New York, you know, this war in Israel rages on. I know, Ray, you listen to me every day, and I'm humbled by that. You you know I'm angry, and I'm pissed, and I'm upset, and a range of emotions every morning. And uh, as the Israelis get set now for days, days, to start their ground incursion, waiting on Joe Biden to give them permission, which is ridiculous. But as as they get set to go in, as a Marine, you know how difficult war is. Could you imagine traveling through 300 miles of tunnel, which is about two inches wide. And in those tunnels, explosives and snipers and booby traps, all in an attempt to save 22 people when 1,500 people died. I mean, that's got to be, if you're a kid right now waiting to go in there, that's got to be terrifying, no? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of the most difficult environments, of course, to have to uh, conduct an operation in. Uh, I just think about those those hostages. It actually kind of makes me sick. Think about potentially what's being done to them. You saw that woman yesterday who they freed. She's 80 years old. She was beaten by them. 
So, what, you know, these are depraved, they're not even humans. They're just animals to do that to fellow fellow human beings. It's just not a question of killing them. It's torture. No, it's worse. And, in fact, I played a cut yesterday, Ray, from an IDF guy who was on the ground on October the 7th, and he said he came upon a bomb shelter, and the Hamas animals were there. This is so unbelievable. I've got a 19-year-old daughter, as you know, Ray, and she's beautiful. My daughter, Ava, in college now in Europe. These animals actually went into the bomb shelter, handpicked the pretty girls. They took the pretty girl out, and they said, you for rape. And when they were done picking out the pretty girls who they're raping continuously day in and day out, the rest of the people, they threw two grenades in there and killed them all. But these young girls, they took them back. And there's about, I don't know exactly how many, but I saw the pictures of the hostages there's a bunch of 18 to 30-year-old girls that are very, very attractive. And these girls are somewhere probably naked right now in a tunnel somewhere. Go through how many guys a day? I don't know. And we don't want we want a ceasefire? People in this country want a ceasefire? What am I missing, Ray? Tell me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I did an uh, anti-Semitism survey for Ron Lauder a couple of years ago. And one of the things that shocked me is when I looked at college campuses, I had no idea how entrenched, how embedded the, the supporters of Hamas were. They get money from overseas. All I do is harass Jewish students, harass Jewish events on, on campus. But it's widespread. It's over 100 major campuses in the United States that are, that are plagued uh, by these people. So how can anybody support what's been going on there? It's just it's, it's incredible. And yet we are living amongst them. I mean, as you said, the, the, the disorders the other day, five, 6,000 people in the streets of, of Bay Ridge, they're raucous. Look what they're saying and, and, and shouting and doing to the, to the cops. I mean, there's no respect for, you know, for the police anymore. And it, it is, it is, <laughs> the world is upside down, and, and unfortunately. But I, uh, uh, yes, I, I feel for the IDF troops that are going to have to uh, go in there. And uh, maybe this delay is a good thing. Maybe they're getting their, you know, the right equipment in place. Uh, they're making the right plans. Maybe they're better than just rushing uh, right in there. But you're, you're probably right that the Biden administration is uh, yeah. is playing a role in holding them yeah, up. Yeah, I'm sure. But, but you're right. There's, a, there's an intelligence seek also that's important, I think, that the Israelis, the longer they wait, are basically admitting how rigorous and difficult and deadly this incursion is going to be. And you can appreciate that, Ray, because it's not just a bunch of guys and girls wearing blue suits and carrying guns walking around the city. You guys uh, actually rely on a whole bunch of intelligence, whether it is a rally coming to Brooklyn on a Saturday night or a possible terrorist coming in through a border or a terrorist attack like you guys thwarted not that long ago in that van in Times Square. If anybody can appreciate intelligence, it's the New York Police, uh, Police Department commissioner, right? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of help. Uh, David Cohn was 35-year veteran. Of the CIA, I was able to bring him into the department. He did a terrific job. We had uh, intelligence experts from the DEA, FBI, DIA, all elected agencies. We had retired and active duty personnel working with the NYPD, and they did a terrific job. And we had no terrorist events, even though we had 16 plots under the Bloomberg administration. No successful terrorist events. So it's something that uh, we're proud of, but you got to keep your eye on the ball. 
every day. You need a 360-degree uh, perimeter. We had put people overseas as listening posts. That was very, very helpful. And um, it's something that, again, has to be a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week uh, job. New York, let's face it, it's a target. A lot of people see it as the capital of the of the world. You have uh, 10 million people a day, in a, a workday in, in in the city. Uh, you've got the UN, you've got the financial capital of the world still. So New York has to be aware, it has to be vigilant, it has to be on guard all the time. Uh, you can't take your pack off. So if you were running this department today, you would have uh, these things to worry about. Illegals, migrants, asylum seekers, Call them what you want. Uh, I realize the overwhelming majority are not bad people. I get it. But all you need is a few bad apples, and we've seen that already. Seen some of these guys rape women in Buffalo, in Philadelphia. So you got that crisis, right? Then you've got just the everyday New Yorkers that are committing horrendous crimes every day on the subways, in the streets, home invasions, breaking into cars. You got that. Now you have the real possibility, Ray, that Hamas... And ISIS and all these folks have snuck in over the last three years as well. I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't want Eddie Caban's job today, not for a million dollars. But you probably yeah. would, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I, look, he's a good man. Uh, we got to give him some time. But it is a very complex environment that uh, he, he's now working in. And, uh, you know, the department is short of people. Uh, they're still hemorrhaging cops. They're still leaving in greater numbers than they could be hired. Well, why are the, so why, why is that the problem. case, Ray? Why why are the cops leaving? Because when I speak to my friends in the administration, and even though I, I've criticized Eric a lot, a lot, and I disagree with a bunch of his philosophies, I still consider the mayor a friend. But every time I talk to them about the cops, they tell me these guys are thrilled to death and that the numbers are exaggerated and folks uh, can't wait to be cops in New York City. And you laugh. So tell me why they're leaving. Uh, this is not what they signed up for. They After the George Floyd incident, the city council went haywire, put in all sorts of restrictions, took away qualified immunity as a defense for the police. If you stop somebody, you now have to tell them that they don't have to cooperate. You know, silly, silly things like that. The Civilian Complaint Review Board has been uh, given sort of unfettered access. You don't need a complainant. You don't need a complaint. Uh, they kind of just <laughs> roam through the field looking for for violations. It's just not the environment that they, that it, they thought it was going to be. And uh, they're, they're leaving, and a lot of them are leaving without any sort of retirement benefit. You know, there's a vested interest uh, capability in the, in the police department that after a certain number of years you can get a pension. No, many of them are leaving without any of that. They're going to more friendly climes, uh, other police departments, and uh, they're just leaving the, the profession. It is not just a New York City problem, though, I must, I must say. It is a national problem. It's certainly in big cities. Well, well, hold on. You, you say it's a national problem, okay? And here's my right. prediction. You're either going to correct me or you're going to say, Sid, you're right. I'm going to go with this, Ray. It's a Democrat problem because I have a feeling if I look at the cities run by the blue cities, run by Democrat mayors, even Democrat governors, New York, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Chicago, Portland, Seattle, 
Minneapolis. I look at these cities. My guess is the crime is out of control. They treat the cops the worst in the country, and the cops are leaving the force. I don't think that's going to be the case in Florida or Texas, but I may be wrong. So is it a Democrat cop problem or a national cop problem? It certainly looks that way. The major cities, that's where they're leading. So I nailed it. And I nailed it. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. You know, even in the red states, there are blue cities where cops are uh, cops are leaving in, in large numbers. They just don't want to be subjected to this woke uh, mentality that has uh, sort of crept into, or not even crept into, there as far as policing is concerned. Uh, in these in these big cities, they've, they've gone to as you said, they're not living in in, in Florida and uh, well, Texas and Austin. Austin, Texas, is a very uh, liberal city, yes. and about yeah. half of their police department has yeah. left. Yes, that's true. And, and and they can't hire a replacement. Nope. All those so, Dallas yeah. Cowboy players live there, and it's a very liberal city. I'm being honest. And those cops yeah. are running like they are here in New York. So when you look back, though, Ray, at your stay, and again, you did it twice. And uh, you had tremendous success. All the policies, whatever they were, on broken windows or stop and frisk, whatever it was, didn't matter. When you look back at your success and the time you were the commissioner, what is your fondest memory? What are you most proud of as being, as I believe, widely regarded as the best ever? Well, again, thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, under the Bloomberg administration, we started out, we, first of all, we have 5,000 fewer police officers in a very short time than uh, Mayor Giuliani had because uh, Mayor Bloomberg took that money and put it into education. So 5,000 police, about 15% reduction in the department rapidly. But we had three Cs. We had uh, uh, crime control, counterterrorism, and community uh, affairs. Uh, I think we, we like to think we succeeded in uh, all three of those areas. We had a 40% reduction in, in, in violent crime. We had a counterterrorism program, I think, second to none, and we didn't have any successful terrorist attacks during those uh, 12 years. And we had a, uh, uh, I think, you know, pretty positive community relations, all things considered. Uh, I'm not bragging, but I did have a 75% approval rating when I when I left the office. Oh. And the sixty three percent was African American. So, wow. uh, you know, I that's that's the type of thing that I'm uh, I'm proud of, and uh, sure. I, I think had great support, great help from from so many people to get that job done. All right. So on the way out, Ray, the uh, the cops love me. They listen to me every day. Right now, all over these boroughs in Long Island, all over New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, heck, even in Florida, uh, these guys are listening. And uh, a lot of them are young. They didn't know Ray Kelly as a police commissioner. They know your name, just like you know the name Emmett Smith or Babe Ruth. But they didn't know you as police commissioner. So for these young cats driving around right now, men and women, putting their lives on the line every single day, what is Ray Kelly's message to them? Hang in there. Uh, <laughs> this, too, uh, will change. Uh, I was in the department when uh, certainly morale was, was very low as a police officer and I was in 25 different uh, commands. It's still a great institution. It, you can still do a lot of good. Only, I, I would say now it's more difficult than this time and certainly in the last three years to be a police officer than ever before, certainly in my memory. But, uh, you know, the job is still 
uh, it can still be exciting. It can still be uh, rewarding. And, uh, you know, May has come, May has go. And uh, I would just say stay the course. It's, uh, it's I, To me, I love it. I love every minute of it, and uh, I do it all over again. Uh, and I, I, I just I, – it was not a job. It was, uh, you know, it was like being retired at full pay, as I said. Yep. So I, 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 uh, I would say, hey, again, these, these situations that we have here, which I, I'm certainly not a supporter of, uh, of the mayor, but you know, we'll have a new mayor. It may not be soon, but it, it'll happen. Time, time can go fast. So hang in there. Hang in there. Those are three great words, eh, Ray? I love you. You know how much I love you and. And when you say that you love your job, you're sincere about it. I've seen you speak publicly, and you can tell. You can just you can just tell when somebody's kind of shooting out the party line and somebody means it. You mean it, and you're a great man. Thank you for hopping on today, and congratulations on a great career on Ramsey Mazda's Back the Blue. Thank you, pal. Thanks so much, Sid. Come on, man. You're the best. Ray Kelly right there and sitting friends in the morning. we got another really great police commissioner coming up, and again, his stay was just shorter. But he was immensely important to this city, immensely important there on 9-11 with Rudy Giuliani and that whole crew. One of the toughest guys I know, but a sweetheart, too. Bernie Carrick going to come by, too. Keep it right here. More to do on Ramsey Mazda's Back to Blue. WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Great song, Foreigner, Lou Graham. What a guest list today, huh, folks? Norman Seabrook, Angel Jimenez, the PBA union leader in Patterson, New Jersey. What a job he did on behalf of my dear friends Lewis and Larry Spagnola, Curtis Sliwa, Anthony Diaz-Pazito, Peter King, Ray Kelly. We end in style. I love this guy. He was our commissioner during our most important time, and let me tell you, did a tremendous job. I will love Bernie Carrick forever. Forever. He was immensely important and great in that position. But he just sent me a text. You know, I was talking about Israel and Hamas, those animals, with Ray Kelly. (laughs) I had no idea that Bernie Carrick had all this, I guess, um, experience in the Middle East. But get ready for this. Folks, pull over before I get to Bernie. Write this down. From 1979 to 1984, Bernie lived in Saudi Arabia for four and a half years. From 2005 to 2009, he worked for His Majesty, the King of Jordan. He was the interim minister 
of Interior of Iraq. He also worked for the Sheik of Dubai for a total of about 10 years working in the Middle East, including overseeing the investigation in the aftermath of 9-11. I would say Bernie's got a little experience with the Middle East and may have a bit of insight on what's going on right now. Here he is, former NYPD commish, my man Bernard Carrick. Bernie, good morning, buddy. How are you? Boy, you're on a roll today, Sid. You're on a roll. I'm doing good? You're doing good, man. Doing good. <laughs> thank you. No, on a serious note, thank I, you. Honestly, Sid, I feel like it's old home week. Uh, <laughs> Spagnola's and Patterson. Yeah. Ray Kelly. Uh, yeah, you're on a roll, man. You know, the uh, the Spagnola's love you. And I know you live in New Jersey now, too. And Lou and, and uh, Larry and Dolores, well, they all love you. And uh, you're a terrific guy. They should love you. But, but Bernie, I, and thank you for the kind words. But I, uh, you really had all that experience in the Middle East, all of that? Well, uh, listen, a lot of people, uh, you know, they relate me to Rikers or being a cop in New York City. Uh, before that, I actually worked for the king uh, and the royal family of Saudi Arabia uh, for about four years, four and a half years, really. Then after I retired uh, from the NYPD, I was the interim minister of interior of Iraq. Uh, I later worked for the king of Jordan uh, in Jordan uh, for about five years, close to five years. Uh, I work for the Sheikh of Dubai. Um, you know, I know the regions. Uh, I know the areas well. I know the people well. Uh, I have lots and lots of uh, Muslim friends. Um, and, uh, and But I also know the problems that exist there and the problems that can exist here, um, which is more so what I'm worried about today than anything else. Well, I am, too. I, and I've had these conversations uh, with Ray and now you, obviously. Uh, in fact, about two weeks ago, six days after the initial barbaric attacks by Hamas, you may remember the Hamas, one of their leaders, he may be dead by now, I hope so at least, he declared that Friday, six days later, Shabbos, a global jihad day. And a lot of folks didn't come to work that day, pussies. But I did. Eddie Caban offered me a security detail, but I came to work. And um, I said to Ray, I said, you know why people aren't coming to work is because they're deathly afraid that Hamas and ISIS and Al-Qaeda, all these hateful groups, are here. They're not coming. They're here. they got to be. They've been leaving these hateful countries, about 11 of them, terrorist countries, since 2021. they got to be here. And you know what, Bernie? He didn't disagree. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Here's why. Here's what people should uh, realize. Uh, you know, you talk about over the last two and a half years with the open borders, special interest alien apprehensions. We've had about six thousand Afghan from Afghanistan. We've had about three thousand from Egypt, one hundred and twenty-five from Iraq, one hundred and eighty-five from Jordan, one hundred sixty-four from Lebanon, and the list goes on and on. It took nineteen men to bring the United States to its economic knees back in 2001. We've got about 60,000, probably, 60,000 people, special interests, um, that came into this country that are unmonitored, they're unvetted. And I know the White House has said consistently that the people we do let in, who they know they're letting in, they are being vetted. Well, I'll give you a little. I'll give you a little something to think about. Afghanistan, 
we've let in, I think the number is about 6,386 as of today. And guess what? How'd they get vetted? Who vetted them? Our intelligence uh, apparatus? Who they call the Taliban to get uh, some insight on who these people are? Right. There's no infrastructure. There's no intelligence infrastructure in Afghanistan to get that information. You may get some of that information from Jordan. You may get some from Turkey, but you're not getting any from Lebanon. You're not getting any from Iraq, Afghanistan, um, Pakistan. You're not getting it. You're not getting any from Yemen. So all these people that come into this country that have disappeared into communities like chameleons, they are on the loose. And I promise you, as we're sitting on the phone today, it's not it's not if something's going to happen internally. It's when. It's only a matter of when. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard the mayor and other people say to me, too, we bet uh, even the illegals, the asylum seekers, the migrants. And I asked somebody, you know, I know some people, Bernie, you know, a couple of folks. I've gotten pretty popular. And I say, what's the vetting process like? And they go, well, hey, what's your name? You know, how long you plan on staying? Are you going to get a job? What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite ice cream? Good luck. And, and of course, I'm, I'm kind of kidding, but not really. I mean, they, they claim they're betting. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, am, am I right? You're, you're not. That's, that's not a joke. That's not a joke. Their, their idea of vetting is a basic pedigree inquiry. Right. You know, where, where do you live? Where did you live? Where'd you come from? Who's your mother or father? And that's it. But they, here's the problem. They have nobody to go back to to run that information against in their host con- home country. So they're here. They basically let them go into society, and they disappear. There's no way to monitor or check on them. And, uh, you know, that's a, a substantial, a major, major, major problem for us. So if you were the police commissioner again, and you were great, you and Kelly, you're my two favorites, you know that. Bill Braden is highly overrated, but that's fine. If you were the police commissioner today, and Eddie Caban is, and you heard me talking outrageous moments ago, Bernie, now you got to deal with the illegals, asylum seekers, migrants, whatever you want to call them. And you got to deal with the everyday crime in New York, these crazies that are committing crimes every day on the subway, in the streets. And now add this third component, which is not if, but when, with a multitude, thousands, I agree with you, thousands of terrorists here in this city and in this country. That almost sounds like an impossible task, Bernie. No. Well, it's, it's not an impossible task if you have the right intelligence capabilities, if you have the right leaders, um, if you have the right uh, mayors and governors. You know, I, I know uh, the mayor, uh, Mayor Adams, has said to you uh, and others, I know other people he has said this to, you know, they're doing fine on recruiting. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. On September 11th, 2001, I had 55,000 people under my command. How many? I had 55,000. 55,000? Yeah, I had 41,000 uniformed officers. They are substantially below that today when, in fact, the city is bigger, the problems are more substantial, the threats are more substantial, and they should have far more cops than they do. But they don't. And they don't because they can't recruit in New York City like they can in other areas because nobody wants to work for an administration or a city council that has no respect for them. That's the bottom line. Uh, And you're going to continue to have these problems. 
So you have the problems of everyday crime and, and attempting crime reduction. Um, you have the illegals. Um, the mayor has to do more to apply pressure on the governor, and the governor uh, as a team with the mayor has to do more to apply pressure on the president to close the damn border. Close the border, because every day that border is open, the threats against this country, the people that want the demise of this country, that want the demise of Israel, that call for the death of America every single day, we are allowing them to come into the country, and we're not doing a damn thing about it. Now, you would think uh, going to Israel last week, this imbecile, the president, and seeing, you know, firsthand blood and body parts and videos and you would think that would be a wake-up call to, A, close the border, B, stop doing anything with Iran. And neither one of those things has happened yet. It's just unbelievable how corrupt and grotesque Joe Biden and this administration is. On one hand, they cry, oh, I felt bad for the Israelis. And then they'll give Iran $6 billion and admit, Bernie, he's got the balls to admit, yes, Iran had something to do with this. You appease that country. You're complicit. But, said, listen, the reality is, you know, and this is my own personal opinion, Joe Biden doesn't run the White House. Somebody else does. Barack Obama. I would would say, in my own personal opinion, that a lot of the people that are around Joe Biden that run the White House came out of the Obama administration. Uh, Obama sent pallets of cash, billions of dollars, to Iran. Um, These guys followed up with $6 billion. Nobody in the White House, nobody in any prior administration, dating back, Sid, dating back to 1979. I was in Saudi Arabia. I was living in Saudi Arabia in 1979 when they took over the Iranian uh, embassy. And they held 52 Americans hostage for 14 months. I lived there then. I know what it was like. Yeah. This, This stuff goes back to that time. Yeah. So any American administration, any White House, they know the evil that comes out of Iran and the funding that comes out of Iran for Hezbollah, Hamas, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Al-Shabaab. That's where it comes from. And until they stop the money going into Iran, these things are going to continue. No, there's no doubt. I mean, look, you had Jimmy Carter then and Biden now, who are probably the two worst presidents in the modern era. And the guy that stopped it, Ronald Reagan, and the guy that it didn't work under, Donald Trump, a couple of years ago, he may be back, hopefully. Those are the guys that stop it. I mean, it's the same thing. Carter and Biden, Reagan and Trump. Okay, on the way out here, Bernie, uh, first of all, you're brilliant. You've got great experience in this country, in this city, outside this country. You're just a wealth of information. So thank you for coming on. But, again, if you were still serving, like I asked Ray Kelly moments ago as police commissioner, and 25,000 less, 25,000 less, but there's still 30,000 uh, kids and adults out there serving this city proudly. They're listening to you right now, Bernie Carrick. What is your message to your officers? I, I have the same message that, uh, that Ray gave them, and that is stand up, stay strong, stay focused. Um, don't, don't back down. Don't quit. Things will change. You know, keep in mind in 1993 when Giuliani came into office, it was the worst period in the history of New York City with regard to crime. Nobody thought it could change. Uh, the leadership changed and the city changed. Um, this, too, this, too, will change. 
when New York City gets fed up and sick of the murder rates, the shootings, the increased crime, the immigrants, uh, the illegals, uh, when they get sick of it, they'll vote somebody into office that's going to change it. Um, It may take a while. As you said, it may take a while. But the bottom line is New York City needs to be protected, and there's nobody. There is no department in the entire world better than the New York City Police Department. And without them, there would be mass chaos. Just keep doing what they're doing. Bernie Carrick, God bless you. Stay safe. I can't thank you enough. What a way to end the show. You actually, Bernie, you got a fist pump out of Lou Rufino. He doesn't do that often, not often, but you got a fist pump, Bernie. So thank you so much. That was great. God bless you. Thanks, Sid. My man, Bernie Carrick right there, former NYPD commissioner. Heck of a way to uh, end this show. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.